Where's the fist go? I won't be through till I get done slapping around Scott the Duke. Gonna beat the ugly bartender into a bundle and laugh all the way doing Wrestle Rock Rumble. Ow! TR shocks the world. Guys, welcome back to TR Shocks the World. I'm Ray Russell, and joining me is TR himself. He is Mr. Tom Robinson. Tom, welcome back. I feel very welcome, Double R. How are you feeling tonight from uh, beautiful Cleveland, Ohio? I'm feeling pretty spiffy, to be honest with you. I'm happy here you because know- we've been on the search to find Billy Jack Haynes. I've been on the search for at least two weeks to find Tom Robinson, but I've located him, and he's back right here on TR Shocks Stop. the World. Tough to find this uh, <laughs> go-getter sometimes. Um, listen, uh, this has nothing to do with Billy Jack Haynes, but that's the way I am. Did you happen to see, and we didn't even talk about this off air because I just forgot, did you see those clips of Lacey Von Erich at the convention, the WrestleCon? No, but I heard something about Lacey Von Erich asking some really, or coming up with some really weird shit. I'm not really sure what she's, you're referring to. She's fucking great. I mean. She goes up to guys that have egos, like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, people like that, mm-hmm. and just does like a man on the street kind of thing. I, I, she has a beer in her hand the whole time, too, and still looks good, has a couple kids or some shit from what I understand, but she was walking around WrestleCon, and she said to Ricky Steamboat, were you named after the Cleveland Steamer? And Steamboat's like the nicest guy in the world, and he's yeah. just like, uh, I, I don't know. And she should explain she was a Von Eric to people so she would get away with all this shit. But kudos to her. Carrie's little girl is kind of like got a real good sense of humor. She like, found her own niche. Dark, yeah. Real dark sense of humor. She's like, Well, I mean, look what family she came from, Tom. Exactly. But to not grieve or whatever you have, uh, whatever word I'm trying to, you know, discover. To not let that weigh her down, she's just like, you know, I love wrestling and all, but everybody's dead anyway, or they will be, so who cares? <laughs> like, she's really wow. as dark as I get, and then some. I was like, damn, good good job. Well, she's uh, she's taking after you, Tom. She's getting a beer, and she's telling it like it is. So, nothing wrong with that. Right Shout on, out to him. <laughs> so you have more than one beer. Yeah, we, maybe we'll get into a few. <laughs> Guys, I uh, last time we were on the air, I kind of mentioned that we're starting to spread everywhere all the different streaming apps out there, but we were still waiting on Apple and Google Podcasts to accept accept the show. They had to check the show, and I was like, oh, no, uh, some of the things that we say, maybe they won't make it. But nope, we got in, and you guys can uh, now listen to us everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Pod, we're also on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast. Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and everywhere else your podcast streaming apps needs are met. So we are everywhere now, Tom. They can check us out at WrestleCobia.com, or they can use any streaming app there pretty much is out there in the world to listen to TR Shocks the World. Yeah, we're, we're going to do a big invasion and take other fucking networks, prime <laughs> talent like WCW back in the day. And uh, Conrad Thompson and Brian Lash just signed with WrestleCopia. Oh, man. 
Well, I was going to say, you said we're going to be like WCW. I hope we don't end up like WCW. Although, well, I don't know. Uh, as long as somebody well, we'll purchases the footage. <laughs> yeah, true. And we'll get in the Hall of Fame and shit. Well, I'll have to save my money for those 83 weeks anyway. There you go. Yeah. You guys can follow Tom, by the way, on Twitter at TRShock. And you can follow me, Ray Russell, at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade on Twitter. Tom's always having a little fun on there when he has some time and uh, pointing some some interesting things out. I, I always try to follow you, Tom, on there and see what you're uh, into now or what you've seen lately to, to comment on. And uh, it's good to have you here, though, on the show uh, where we can kind of talk and uh, you can really elaborate as to your thoughts and opinions on things, especially when you've had a few cold beverages heading into the show. Yes, sir. And it, uh, what I like about the forum here is it's obviously things can be taken into context. Um, it's hard to get the message or the, the point out there and the little tweets and so forth. So, and I guess so forth is part of my uh, repertoire or my vocabulary. So we're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. We're going to get a little, uh, a counter here for your so forth on every episode, a little ding ding or something along those lines as we get yeah, moving right forward. On, right on. <laughs> Tom and the so forth, you know, uh, you asked me, I don't know if it was last episode. I think it was last episode. You asked me, uh, on Impact, or not on Impact, on uh, AEW, they'd mentioned that uh, Excalibur had mentioned one man had kicked out of the one-winged angel, the one-winged angel over in Japan. Not in the United States. Nobody's ever kicked out of it here in the United States. You asked me to uh, do a little research, see if I could figure it out. It took a quick, simple Google search, and uh, apparently it was Kota Ibushi. So Ibushi is the man who kicked out of the one-winged angel over in Japan. Ah, Mr. Ibushi, that fucker. Chiseled jaw, fucking. He don't look like a, a fucking sneaky Jap, does he? From Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh he man, he's like, like a Gary Hart, Hart fucking Gary Hart promo all day long there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you remember Gary? Uh, I think it's one man gang against King Parsons. You're the historian, right? Was that a match at the stadium? At uh, Texas one Stadium. Shows, yeah. Mm, man, I don't remember. It could be. If you can find it from world class and not, you know, watered down WWE or whatever, he says, and I quote about Parsons, I'm going to beat you like I bought you at an auction. I have no doubt Gary Hart said that. He was getting away with That's... things on Turner in 1989 that I couldn't believe made air. Uh, especially with all the mandates that came down about you couldn't even say foreign object. It had to be an international object. And things like that. And then right. they got these Gary Hart promos on there all year long. Uh, first, it was with Abdullah. And I couldn't figure out if he was trying to put Abdullah over or if he was shitting all over Abdullah because he was kind of kind of crapping on, on, on the, uh, the black people, if you will. Uh, at the mean, in the meantime, he's selling Abdullah as a, a black human being, which, which he is. So it was really confusing to me what exactly he was trying to get over there. And then Bob Orton comes in. He's managing Bob Orton. I'm like, what's he going to do with Bob Orton? And... Orton starts a few with Dick Murdoch, and then all of a sudden Dick Murdoch has this uh, pretend Mexican wife, and then uh, Gary Hart, you know, has has fun with that, has a field day with talking about Dick Murdoch's Mexican wife and and all these border jokes and things. And finally, Muda comes in and he gets in a groove. I'm like, this is the Gary Hart I know. He's cutting heel promos about the main event, and then he gets kind of bored with that, and then it goes right back into the Japanese and the the guy gene and all this other nonsense near by the end of the year. So Gary Hart was quite a trip throughout 1989 in the NWA. Yeah, I'm so old. I, I remember the Kabuki run. 
Yeah. Um, watching Georgia Championship. Well, that's the only part of it that I remember with he and Kabuki. Uh, First wrestling I ever Georgia saw was uh, Georgia. Yeah. We didn't have yeah. cable, but it was uh, syndication because they, uh, they overtook the area here because there was no, no territory here anymore. Yeah, you actually, you know, you had live shows in uh, Ohio, Michigan area, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, once they took over 82, 83, thereabouts, something like that. Uh, once they started running up this way because she had killed the territory years ago, and that was there was no wrestling for a few years, and that was that's the old uh, it's the old story, right? Uh, once you kill a town, you you stop running there for five five was it five years, and you come back and try to rebuild. And uh, Ole jumped in there. What's that? I said, hear that, Sabo? She killed the territory. Well, that's what they say. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't privy to it. I missed the entire Sheik run. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to tag Sabu tonight and make him listen. Whatever minutes of this, you know, we'll figure the exact moment. And you, you're going to have a feud with Sabu now. Cool. Well, fu- funny story about Sabu goes back, well, it's more than 20 years, 22 years ago. I'm trying to be too precise. Sabu's working a local indie show. And um, there was a chandelier, a light chandelier above the ring. And it looked like it was uh, rigged to, I mean, it was pretty high above the ring. It was a good 20 feet above. It was a pretty high ceiling. It wasn't like it was, you know, fucking low or anything. But it looked like it was rigged and tied up there with an extension cord or something. And the shit, the shit kind of moved a little bit during his match. And what is Sabu's, like, what, what is his trademark thing that he does? He points, points up in the sky, right, you know? So we're yeah. all in the crowd, and we're like, Sabu, Sabu, and we're pointing up in the air, and he looks at us, and he thinks we're doing his gimmick. So he just points back up at us. We're like, no, dude, like, shit's going to fall on you. Uh, long story short, it didn't fall on him, but it was hilarious because we're sitting there pointing, and he thinks we're just selling his gimmick. So That's uh, f- fucking funny as shit, and you're trying to save the dude's life. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have a lot, of, uh, a lot of time with him back in the 90s, and even – Probably, ah, fuck, I don't remember the last time I hung out with him, but quite interesting dude. Yeah, my short time uh, I've ever spent with him, uh, that's definitely one way to put it, for sure. No doubt. Right. Fuck, fuck it, this is off topic, but we'll do it real quick. The <laughs> we le- have no topic. My now <laughs> ex-girlfriend, um, every episode is going to change probably, but my now, <laughs> now ex-girlfriend uh, decided to come with me to the TNA, or I should say Impact tapings in Philadelphia. They had like kind of like an ECW theme, I don't know, pre-COVID, six months before COVID, roughly, maybe a year, I don't know. That's the last time I saw Sabu. So my, uh, I guess I can say my buddy Michael Elgin was there then before he had his incidents and problems and so forth. There it is, ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> so I was there to see him. I didn't know that Sabu was on the show, but me and Sabu go back way, you know, long time ago and he had the genie. So he always said to me, and I've said this before on another program that anywhere I go in the country, if he's on the show, no matter who, for, for what, for where, just tell him I'm there to see him and it's good. I'm taken care of. It's never failed. And he's always been a man of his word in that regard. But I had Elgin I was talking to, and, it, you know, it wasn't like crack security or nothing. I mean, it, as far as, you know, dressing room, it's not that exciting anyway, but uh, it just, if you want to see certain people, that's the only, where, only place you're going to talk to them. So he got done, uh, whatever shit he was doing, and he sees me and goes, oh, Tom, what's up, Tom? He talks real quick with a Detroit accent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, how you been? I, but, you know, and he's like, 
what are you doing? I said, uh, me and her, this is Robin. Nice to meet you. But he, he was like beady eyed and like focused on me. And he's like, you got any painkillers? I said, uh, no, not <laughs> handy. It's not, it's not like, I, like asking me for, uh, I don't know, a fucking stick of gum or something that I might have <laughs> in my bag. <clears throat> I am not a drug dealer by any means. Of course, you know, I guess around the business, that's a common question. But and to his credit, he puts himself through hell whenever the fuck he goes out there. But I said, no, but, you know, I could probably make a car or whatever. No big deal. And he's like, well, I'm going to ride with you. This is Jeannie, the fucking, his girl, Melissa. We all introduce each other. He goes, they have a, they have a renovated, uh, it's called the 2300 Arena now. It's not the ECW Arena, and it's renovated, and there's an upstairs kind of deal. It's a lot nicer. So I look over, I see Don Callis just trying to figure out who I am and who my girl is, because she's an attractive woman. And he's just like, I see him looking and looking away and seeing Elgin talk to me and Sabu talk to me, et cetera, et cetera. So he knows that I'm something, but he doesn't know if I'm supposed to be there. And he's like an EVP or whatever. And now, you know, look at his push now, what he's right. doing. But he just kept like looking and looking away and looking and looking away. I think he was on the fence to like say, who are you and why the fuck are you back here? But never did. And Scott Demore was running around with, in shorts and just seemed like such a relaxed vibe with that group. But anyway. Sabu says he's riding with me. So my often outspoken girlfriend pulls me by the ear, almost literally, <laughs> when they went upstairs to change and goes, you're not fucking driving him. And I go, well, I've always, you know, when we hook up, we see each other and we hang out. That's, that's what, what I do. And she's like, he, he just wants you for drugs. And I go, well, uh, I doubt that because we hung out prior to that, but I'll, I'll deal with my self-esteem issues as to why people <laughs> like me afterward. Yeah. And uh, not in the middle of a fucking impact locker room, you know? So he was in sight, and I said, listen, I'll grab my car because I was parked down the way a little bit. And he had his bag or whatever, and he, she's audibly arguing with me about, no, we're not fucking getting drugs for nobody. I don't give a fuck, blah, 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 blah. So... I said, let me get the car. I'll be back. I go to get the car with her, still yelling at me out the fucking fence. By the time I get around, I don't know if you've ever made the trek to ECW Arena. It's really parkings all over the fucking place and all that shit. So I come around to the back, and I don't see him, don't see her. And uh, all I saw was Tommy Dreamer. And I said, hey, man, is Sabu still around? I was supposed to... Nah, he just, he just hopped in some dude's car, brother. So I guess he got the, got the vibe that... The cock block was at her best. Yeah, don't you uh, hate that. when they do that? Been there too. Yeah, it's like, you know, now knowing what I know about her, I didn't know all that then about my, I'm talking about my uh, ex, how she would act in that environment if we were just all chilling, like at the Red Roof Inn, just talking, right. wrestling, and drinking beers and whatever the fuck else. And like what would come out and what would happen because she's more extreme than ECW. She's like, she doesn't care who the fuck's around. She just fights with people and shit. So anyway, <laughs> I might be glad that he took another away home. But anyway, Sabu, I'm going to tag you. You better listen, you fucking pussy. <laughs> Good story, though. I got a, I got a fun story about uh, searching for such, such things with Tommy Rich once upon a time. So we'll save that for future shows, as you say, Tom. Perfect tie-in. Yeah. Well, who are we talking about this week, goddammit? You mentioned somebody a minute ago I wanted to touch on because I did something that you kind of asked me to do, and uh, I had a little fun with it, too, a little bit of editing fun. You touched on 
Don Callis there a moment ago at the, uh, the, the Impact show. Hand. Yes, the, uh, the Don Callis promo from a few weeks ago. I uh, went and pulled it up on YouTube because I don't watch Impact. So I didn't know what you were talking about, but I, you gave me the date of the show. And I went and found the show. And I went and found that promo, the one that you were talking about with Kenny Omega. And I grabbed a few excerpts from that. I, I put them all together here. I'm going to let everybody take a listen. And I had a little fun with it, too, as you called it a, a little creative licensing, maybe. Uh, here's here's a few pieces of the recent Don Callis promo on Impact Wrestling. Shame on you, Don. I am prepared to suck every resource, every talent. Suck I will suck it. Suck him and suck him, Don. If it helps, I am prepared to suck Kenny by God Omega. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun promo. Of course, very entertaining promo. I'm glad you turned me on to that. I am prepared to suck every talent. Suck I will suck it. Suck him and suck him, Don. Suck him and suck him, Don. Suck him and suck him, Don. Kenny Omega, just the little uh, the background comments were equally as funny as... I am prepared to suck Kenny by God Omega. Uh, I don't know how Callis kept the uh, straight face during some of this because it was uh, it was good stuff though. Yeah, I agree, and uh, kudos to you. And that's that's why people will be listening. What episode is this four? Yeah, episode four. Yeah, and uh, fuckers better start building up my numbers and our numbers, I should say. Yeah, I promise you guys, you build up our numbers, and I will give you the Tommy Rich story. I spent one day. I spent. About 14 straight hours with Tommy Rich. And let me tell you, it was like a lifetime. We, uh, you wouldn't even believe how many things happened during that day. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear that one because I don't know it either. But No, it's, it's good shit, man. It's some good shit, pal. Yeah. You don't, you're not, or I think I saw Taz tweet that that's a business term now. And you're not supposed to tweet it as a fan. Um, Taz, <laughs> I love you, but that's kind of gay. Um, <laughs> good shit's been around way before Vince McMahon said it. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> that beef. Why don't we wow. push Hook to fucking beat Sting and fucking uh, who else is there? Who uh, AEW fucking Fuck. Christian Cage? The uh, I like Turtles kid is there. Darby Allen. I like Turtles. I like Turtles. <laughs> you know, I told you I can't fucking hate him though, man, because he's no, I can't either. I told you I w- I want to like I. It just feels like somebody I should hate, and I just I really can't. At least at this point, I can't. Uh, so I do want to talk briefly, and I don't know if you saw it. It really doesn't matter. I'm not going to deep dive into their actual promos or anything, but did you happen to catch at least some of the names that were involved in the Hall of Fames this year? Uh, yeah, I, I watched, uh, you know, pretty much the Hall of Fames and Night One, and Night One I had company, so I, I had to watch it again, some of it. I didn't see all of it. But, yeah, as far as Hall of Fame, I can I can go along with whatever you got prepared. Not a whole lot. I really want to touch more on the legacy guys here in a minute, but I'm uh, just going to run across the names here, see if any of them really stick out to you, if you got anything you want to say. They did the 2020 guy, uh, guys first, or people first. There were ladies involved as well. And if you remember, maybe you don't, last year when they announced them, Batista was also part of this Hall of Fame class, but Teaster decided he was, he was too big of a, a name to participate in a pre-taped Hall of Fame without any fans. So no Batista here. He, he's uh, put his induction off, so to speak. Uh, so the, the names we got were the British Bulldog, which I thought was long overdue. I'm sure there was some shenanigans involved there that uh, kept him out for the time being. But he's finally in, and I thought well-deserved there. JBL, not really shocked there to see it coming. 
They did their little international flavor with Jushin Thunder Liger, who I was a fan of. I don't know that he's Hall of Fame worthy here in the United States or in WWE. He had that one NXT match. William Shatner gets the uh, celebrity wing. Warrior Ward goes to Titus. They did the NWO thing. Did you see Scott Hall out there looking like the Crypt Keeper? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was going to let you go through them all, and then I'll dissect them one by one. Well, I'm down to just uh, the NWO and the Bellas, who uh, they were they were last on my list for the 2020 class because the, they were the most undeserving of the, of the group. Uh, says you. Yeah, says, uh, says me. I love me some. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even like the Bellas. I, I, uh, I did spend a weekend with, uh, we'll just call him HTM, wink, wink. Spend a weekend, I should clarify. I was like stooge driving somebody to an autograph sesh. <laughs> HTM. Um, so HTM, that could be, uh, ass to mouth. If I could think of something with an H, but herpes Helmsley's to mouth. mouth. Yeah. Herpes, herpes to mouth. Yeah. But anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Wayne. But he's I call he, him Wayne. Yeah, good old, good old, uh, lower blood without yeah. mentioning names. No. Greatest um, intercontinental champion of all time. You know, there's a lot of things that <laughs> Wayne has said over the years that people have felt were kind of out there, but. I don't think this one was so out there. He said that uh, Johnny Ace called him one point in his life and said, I got these two fucking twins in a hot tub. And somebody I knew confirmed the fucking city. Oh, boy. That it actually did happen. So something happened between stepdad Johnny and his new stepdaughters before he met their mother. Uh, hey, so you, for better, that, you better check your facts, Tom. Listen, I had that dude in the back of my car when he was just Johnny Ace. <laughs> and the road warrior's little fucking blonde brother with Ricky Santana and this fan. If you're still alive, Keith Williams, you fucking crazy ass dude, pothead dude. And a dude named Jim McEnany who has nothing to do with anything, but he was just there. <laughs> and I used to, you know, do the NWA thing and save them cab money. So Keith Williams was looking at, he was actually um, in the backseat with Johnny Ace slash Laurenitis. And Ricky Santana, and he pulled out a joint, and he goes, you guys mind? And they're like, no. I, I was like, as a driver, underage driver, I was kind of, uh, you know, like, I don't know, Keith. But anyway, I said, no, nah, that's all good. I, I just won't deal with it. Just uh, roll down the window a little bit, blow it out, whatever. And he says to uh, Mr. Corporate America, Johnny uh, Laurinaitis, you guys want some? And the quote was, I'm flexible. He didn't have that voice. <laughs> Right, right. I'll never forget I'm flexible, and all of a sudden I looked like I was fucking Cheech and Chong pulling up to the Philadelphia <laughs> Civic Center. But anyway, where were we at? Yeah, suppose Honky Tonk. I mean, HTM said something. <laughs> yeah, HTM said that uh, he got a call from his buddy Johnny Ace, and he was in a hot tub with two twins that just started in the territory and having a great fucking night with some beers and some twins and, you know, et cetera. And then he ended up fucking their mom and becoming their stepdad. Yeah, well, that sounds like their their story. You know, I try to tell my wife because she didn't really follow wrestling. She knows of it because of me, and she's been with me for over 15 years. So, But she's caught on to the whole Bella nonsense, the Total Bella show, while she was watching the Total Divas before that, and they were the stars of that as well. Um, so she follows that. She's kind of into the Bellas, unfortunately. But um, I tried to explain to her, you realize, you know, she believes that whatever they say, you, there's no reason to doubt somebody when they're saying something. So if you just listen to them talk, you presume they were a huge part of the business. They did 
they they were trendsetters and trailblazers and they did all this cool shit over the course of 20 years. I tried I to explain they sold her. Out the cow palace with uh, Ray <laughs> Stevens and Pat Patterson. Whoa, well, I'm sure Pat would just fucking stay out of that match. Mm, you never nothing know. There, nothing, nothing the right amount of alcohol can change a man's feelings. Trust me, I know from personal. Uh, never mind. <laughs> so, so, anyways, I tried to explain. Her. You realize when these two girls first came in, they were brought in because they were twins, right? Like they were fucking twins. They got a job, and then their job wasn't even to wrestle; it was to walk around backstage and take care of the celebrities on camera and probably off camera too. And so, these so- twins were sucking my cock. Oh! <laughs> And anyways, like then they quit, they quit the company and they're gone for like a year and then they're back and all of a sudden Nikki's with John Cena and the rest is, they say is history. I thought it was just me. And I went online. I saw the people shitting on their speech. It's, it was a combination of putting themselves over. Like, are you delusional or did somebody else write this? Because you didn't do these things. And with all their little cute little herstory and little twin magic nonsense in their fucking speech as well. So I just. I'm not shocked by anything, especially in the ladies uh, department or, you know, the African-Americans, which they just they throw any name out there because they feel like they have to, which they didn't do that this year. They did the international stars with Liger and Kali and things, but they made sure to throw in a couple African-Americans in the legacy, which is what I can't wait to get to here in a few minutes. But I was just curious more so your take on some of these names I ran, like the Bellas and, and shit like that. But uh, it was great. It was great when Brie Bella thanked Larry, Larry the Butcher Cameron. That was a highlight for me in our speech. Phenomenal. Um, <laughs> old Larry Cameron, man. That's an old school name. Larry um, the Butcher Cameron. Now, that was a diversity, uh, which I'm leading up to what you're getting to, I think. So, a second night, if you will, of the Hall of Fame featured Rob Van Dam. Okay. A little early for Rob, but hey, they've been putting people in that are younger than Rob, so why not? Molly Holly, I mean, if the Bellas are in, I'm not going to argue Molly. I mean, at least she can fucking work. Uh, the great Kali, which was, I thought Coco was the bar, but uh, now Kali might be that low bar here. And I'm not shitting on Coco. Loved his shit in Memphis. Hell of a worker, but Hall of Famer? I don't know about that. In the WWE especially. But great Kali's the new bar for me down there. It's uh, very interesting how they uh, kind of randomly threw him in there. Ozzy Osbourne got the celebrity wing. That Rich Herring guy who I'd never even heard of before, but apparently he's been, he must be like a Don in New York been with the company for like 50 years yeah that dude's got like a hundred bodies under his fucking basement somewhere there's like you know because i i never even heard of him myself and not to brag but i've been in a couple close circles to those uh shows over the years and i didn't know who the fuck he was um no but so. there was this there was his face popping up and shit from the 70s the 80s i mean he was there so uh very interesting to say the least. Yeah, Hogan's, <laughs> Hogan slamming the giant. He's like right behind picture snap. Like he's, he's been everywhere hiding in plain sight, as they say. And then they did uh, Bischoff and Kane as well. I'm not going to argue either one of those. Kane especially belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame, I suppose. Eric Bischoff, though, was like, to me, uh, as what he did, he was more of the main event attraction here for me on this second night of Hall of Fame than Kane was. Though uh, I was fine with both those guys going in. But what I really wanted to do uh, let's talk about the legacy wing this year. Uh, some interesting names pop up, and uh, some make sense, and other ones, uh, I don't know. So I was going to run, run those past you and get your thoughts on that, if that's cool with you. Absolutely, but I, I just uh, I just wonder who's in charge of that, because I, uh, you know, I always heard just the Hall of Fame in general is whoever Vince says. He just comes up with, like, five guys and whatever. Well, my understanding chicks. is 
people pitch names to him. If it's somebody he really hates, he tells them never bring that name up again. Never, you know, mention that one again. Um, if it's somebody he, you know, loosely has a problem with, he'll say, you know, we'll revisit that kind of deal. Or he just comes, like you said, he comes up with his own or they, a couple guys might pitch some, some names to him as well. It just uh, seemed very interesting. Some of the guys who make it and some of the guys who don't, but notice everyone on that, that big long list of guys trying to sue the company over the CTE and whatnot. None of those guys ever make it to the hall of fame. Interesting. Mm. Well, they couldn't physically find it if they wanted to. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for your stupid heads that you couldn't fucking tuck your neck right, you dumb fucks. You know hey, what pisses ahead. me off when I look at that list of names? Uh, Don Leo Jonathan. What the hell did he have to do with Vince McMahon in the 80s? Um, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney's families. I mean, n- no disrespect to those guys, but their brains were mush before they ever st- stepped foot in a WWE. I'd love to see that argument. <laughs> yeah, there's no... Uh... <laughs> There is no uh, courtside argument there. It's um, Axel and Balls. I, I kind of knew a little bit both of those guys, and absolutely, you're right. When he, what the hell was Balls' name before uh, before the Smoky Mountain thing? Um, uh, Abuda Singh. Abuda Singh. Yeah, Abuda Singh. Oh, he was taking fucking unprotected chair shots like a motherfucker in Jersey back then, like a motherfucker. So yeah, he was scrambled eggs definitely way before. He ever did anything but watch Wrestling Challenge. <laughs> oh, man. He was in the fucking Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm so, lost on these guys. No, no, no. Yeah, so they did the Legacy Wing. So for the 2020 Legacy Wing, it was Ray the Crippler Stevens. I don't think anybody's going to argue. Actually, I didn't realize he wasn't in. So when I saw him pop up on there, I go, he's not in the Hall of Fame. So that, that caught me off guard. I'm going to be nice, like, before we start fucking around with people. Sure. Um with the Legacy Hall of Fame, they kind of balanced out like all the glaring, not all, but there's still like 20, 25 left. Yeah. But, you know, since they've added that thing, they pretty they got Brody in there and, you know, the guys you're about to announce and so forth. So ding, ding, ding. Ding. Um, so the Legacy Wing, I'm going to maybe fuck with people, but, you know, if they actually make a physical building, it's. I'm glad that they're doing this. So continue. No, I totally agree with you. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm on board that it exists because of so many of the guys that got to be put into that over the last couple of years, and Ray Stevens deservedly so. Baron Michelle Leone, that really surprised me. There's a name that you don't hear every day, and it's. Uh, I'm very curious who who threw that name out there at events. To be honest, he's with from you, the he's, Isle. he's from he's, the Isle of Malta. <laughs> wrong Baron. I do believe. Oh, wrong guy. <laughs> That's uh, Mikel Cicluna, right? From the Isle of Malta, Baron Mikel Cicluna. So, <laughs> but no, Baron Michelle Leone, he was a huge deal over there on the West Coast way back in the uh, early days. Yeah, apparently a draw. I, uh, you know, that's your territory. I don't, I just, I, I, I see clips from like 2005 that, <laughs> I definitely watched, and it's like new shit to me. Well, anything like, I've seen I... over the last twenty plus years is new shit to me. I, I don't remember anything. You know, it's like um, I used to be able to tell you everything that happened. You know, uh, by the by the month at the very least, I knew where everything was just talking about it time wise. And now, man, my brother and me will be in a conversation. Who who won the Royal Rumble? You know, it's just, you know things like that. So it's different world I have now. No clue. <laughs> I have no clue, and anything I should anything I say should be taken. As such, but 
I might sneak some facts in there. But anyway, go ahead. So they put Doc in, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, which uh, totally cool with me. Uh, Gary Hart, who we talked about a little earlier in his uh, awesome promos. What's I'm going to beat you like I bought you at an auction. Across the ring is opponent. He says it like from ringside with OMG, one man gang, as they call him. Um, moon. Iceman King Parsons. The moon, yeah, the big moon. But he, he, he makes a slavery reference, which. That's, uh, it's not the first you know, time. You'd yeah, be surprised what's, get, uh, what's still in there on the territories, although Peacock will likely 86 that. I guess if you survive a fucking plane crash, you can pretty much say anything you want yeah i know his book is hard to come by but man it's uh one of my favorites to read although i've heard some people discredit some of the stories he's told in there but i have to imagine every wrestling book has a few stories that aren't necessarily 100 percent fact more so the way they remember the story i i didn't read his book i i met him once or twice you know nice enough guy in person but uh seen his shoot interviews he talked about him and uh fuck what's the spoilers real name don chardine yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something about Don Jardine. I don't do it, Gary Hart. I'm just doing it off the cuff. Well, the auction we part was pretty damn good. <laughs> we were stomping this hotel manager. He said they they put the boots to a hotel manager because they were swimming after hours, and he said, guys, you can't swim here. So him and the spoiler, <laughs> uh, whether it's true or not, like you said, I don't know. But they put the boots to the, uh, to the hotel employee slash manager. I don't know. And they had to get out of the fucking deal before they got caught by the cops and they went to the next town. But anyway, continue, my friend. Yeah, so they, they go through the Crippler and Doc and, and the Baron and, and Gary Hart, and then they get to Brickhouse Brown. Wow, what an intriguing name to have chosen <laughs> into the legacy wing. You know, um, sucker, if you keep b- busting on Brickhouse Brown, we're going to be through dealing. See, nobody got that ever. <laughs> Let me finish that real quick. Yeah. I used to, I used to get uh, Memphis tapes from a guy named Brian Trammell. I don't know if you're familiar with Brian. Old friend, we had a little falling out, which is not abnormal with me. I have falling outs with everybody. But I don't stay mad. Everybody else stays mad at me. I'm like, oh, that's no big deal. But... um <laughs> Brian used to be my Memphis source. And when, when Brick was on top in Memphis, I used to like say his interviews, me and my friend Joe Lilly, back and forth. They, they were up there, not quite as good, but like Austin Idol level interviews as far as a brother. You know, um, right. if they're giving a Hall of Fame for that, I'm in. I'm, I'm trying to be nice. But brother Brick uh, in the Hall of Fame uh, of the WWE, I don't know, bro. I don't what know do who think? came up with that name. I don't know. I don't know who threw that one at Vince. I don't know if Vince even knows what a Brickhouse Brown is. I know he came in very briefly in '86 prior to Coco. I hate to say this because it might sound racist nowadays to the woke, but I think. Well, I think Coco was the replacement or the better version of Brickhouse Brown to Vince because you see Brickhouse come in on the house shows. You if you if you, if you study these type of things like I have. Brick came in, they gave him they gave him a little run there for a little bit, and then all of a sudden he goes away and Coco immediately appears. So it's almost like he replaced Coco as the the, the lower tier black guy on the card, if you will, or whatever. Because, you know, you needed like certain tiers of, of the African Americans on the shows, the way shit was back in those days. So it was really odd. But other than that, Brickhouse Brown never worked for Vince. And you know how Vince doesn't even 
really pay attention or remember shit. I just can't see him even going, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was pretty good, pal. We'll, we'll keep him around. We'll throw him in the Hall of Fame. So that was really <laughs> odd that Brickhouse Brown, out of all, now, there's plenty of other black guys out there that could have could have had that. Well, Butch Reed, I think, was part of the lawsuit. Uh, he's passed away now, too. Uh, but that's that's a huge omission compared to Brickhouse Brown. In my eyes, I think of anybody's eyes. Whoever approached him, he probably thought they meant Alan Coage. Um, oh, I didn't even think of that. There's another one, and I think he was part of the lawsuit or, or did something, too, before he but, passed away. Yeah, I mean, Vince was probably like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bricker, well, especially, uh, especially 2021 Vince. He's looking fucking pretty rough. I mean, I think whoever pitched these names to him and – I'm not going to, like, make a case for Brick, but no, I, I, I kind of like the dude. And he had that cauliflower alley shit where he was suffering from cancer and he yeah. did a cool, cool-ass speech. So there's, like, a mole in there who's, like, rooting for the guy, the underdog type guy. I'm not justifying him being in the fucking Hall of Fame. But, I mean, the guy dropped dead early, and I had, like... I got a picture with him in that year that you mentioned, 86, at the best old Best Western when I was, like, underage, so I had to stand outside the bar and wait for the boys to come out or whatever. But um, Brick was a nice guy, and then I, I had this, you know, you, you'll d- probably deal with this too, Ray, where I just flake out and disappear. I, uh, I flaked out and disappeared to Nashville one time because I was I had demos and I was a singer and I was every bit, everything else, but... I showed up at Burt Prentice's uh, Nashville Fairgrounds because they had a New Year's Eve show. And I see Colorado Kid with one of those, um, what they clean the ring with, those things that spin round and round. I don't know what they're officially called, but it was like blood stains on the mat and whatever. Right. And Burt Prentice, and I had bleach blonde hair at that point. And I just fucking walk in at like one in the afternoon, and I said, you, you guys got a show tonight? And I actually stopped at Brian Hildebrand's house on the way. Uh, name drop, picked that one up. But he told me uh, to ask for somebody. I'll, I'll remember it at some point. But anyhow, um, so he's like, dude, you just drove from fucking Philadelphia. And he's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. You, you know, can I be booked tonight? I'll do whatever. I ended up being in a pull apart for no money. But um, long story short, the two nicest guys in the locker room to me were Brickhouse Brown and... Who was that little dude that worked with a Sawyer last name down there, but he wasn't Buzzer Brett? Uh, Sawyer. Bart Sawyer? Mm-hmm. I remember he had a shirt that said, Life is Good, and I was wearing a gold gym shirt thinking I was getting over because I was a little juicy at that time and all tan and whatnot. But all I got was a pull apart, and I had left early. It was New Year's Eve. Now it's about me instead of Brickhouse. You see how I do that? But anyway, I left early, and I can I can remember when it struck twelve. I was in a Nashville bar listening to tonight. I'm listening uh, tonight. I'm looking for a party crowd by David Lee Murphy. As like I was almost the Indian on the old commercial where tears running down my eye when I look at America <laughs> being so fucking polluted. But I had heard. I knew that I wasn't going to get anything out of the night. And I could have showed up the next night somewhere in Georgia, but I my daughter was like real young, whatever year that was. She's 24 now, so we're going back. And I just, I was like, this was a stupid idea. Anyhow, I didn't show up in Logan, Georgia. I think it was Logan, Georgia, the next night where I could have been used better. 
And I heard, uh, I, uh, when I got back, I didn't really pay attention, but I read The Observer, and Burt Prentice happened to collapse that same night with a legit heart attack. Oh, wow, never even, show never even knew that happened to him. It was a New Year's Eve. I always tell you to research shit or ask you to. It's not important, but if you're ever just online, just look up whatever the fuck that show was. That's all. Brickhouse uh, doesn't deserve it, but <laughs> I like him. All right, so... The next wing of the or the next night of the Legacy Hall of Fame 2021 was Dick the Bruiser, which made total sense to me. I mean, the very few stories. My grandfather wasn't a wrestling fan, and, and he used to always say to me when I was a kid, "Why do you want to watch that shit for? It's fake." But every once in a while, he would randomly tell a story involving some of the guys from the 50s and whatnot that was on, you know, back early in the in the early days on the Dumont Network and things like that. Mister Moto. I always loved the, the promo my, my grandfather would tell me about Mr. Moto, who was the stereotypical Japanese with the wooden shoes and the, the silly glasses, the Coke bottle glasses with the big black rims and things. And he would cut a promo yeah, and say, being stereotypical. <laughs> well, that's where I, I, I all right, you're fine. Man. Well, it, it started somewhere, right? Because it was on Bugs Bunny and it was on Popeye, damn it. So that's just the way it was. Right. Uh, at least in my day. I'm sure those, those uh, episodes aren't allowed to air anymore, but, um, Anyways, um, he's telling me a story about Mr. Moto and uh, his promo. He would cut me like American dollar. So I always thought that was cool. And I heard about Bobo Brazil and the Cocoa Butt, naturally. And he one time just randomly, and he'd do the claw to me when I was a kid. Fritz Von Eric the Claw and Dick, Dick the Bruiser. And he would do, like, do Dick the Bruiser's voice. And now he wasn't a wrestling fan, but clearly he saw enough of it back in the day that, you know, these thing, these these guys, these these top stars stuck with them enough to, you know, relay these stories to me. So Dick the Bruiser, is it that we're still talking about Grandpa, right? Yeah, yeah. My Grandpa put the claw on my private parts, and I thought that was oh my, like a wrestling match. But That's... anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh man, jeez, we got to talk about that off air, Tom. We got to oh, all right get, you, get you right. We got to get you right, man. <laughs> Let's keep. No, I don't care about keeping it clean. I just want to make sure you get the proper help you need. No problem. I'm good, man. Okay. All right. Very I'm good. So, but, Paul Bosch, uh, long overdue. No, no, you didn't finish about Dick DeBruza because I interrupted no, you. No, I was done. Weird. No, that was it. It was just I thought exactly. he was very deserving. He's one of those guys from an era where the casual fan or the non-fan even may know the name or the, the character. So, I thought that was deserving. And then Paul Bosch, which I thought was long overdue. It's long overdue and now. Sorry. Um, yeah, Paul so, Bosch is overdue. They get to uh, Buzz Sawyer, who they don't refer to as Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, but rather Bulldog Buzz Sawyer. Okay. You know why uh, they did that? You know why they did that, right? I heard somewhere else. You're probably going to correct me and tell me the real reason, but no, if you heard, heard somewhere, somewhere I'm sure. because Mad Dog Vashon came in or something, or and um, the Bulldog. Uh, I don't know. You tell yeah. me what the fucking. Well, it was. That. It's really odd that they chose to do that because he was Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer pretty much his entire career, except for the like one or two months he was in the WWF I, when Vince bought everybody in '84, and he was. I don't even think it was. Uh, I think it was like one month at at best. Yeah, because he did like the one TV taping that I remember. I think there's like one, maybe two, Buzz <clears> Sawyer <throat> matches out there from the WWF, but he was announced as Bulldog Buzz Sawyer because that was at the same time they were kind of using Mad Dog Vashon on some of the cards in, in the Vashon, you know, the area where Vashon was over, the Midwest and things like that. So they had Mad Dog Vashon, and so they had to do Bulldog Buzz Sawyer. So the guy used that name for a fucking, what, one or two TV tapings in his entire career and leave it to some asshole in the WWF to give him that moniker. It, it, they said it two or three times during this induction, 
And it was just like eating me alive. Like, what the fuck? This is so bullshit. Buzz Sawyer was such a fucking piece of shit. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no fucking denying that. But that's kind of the charm of the business in the territory days. Pieces of shit were like in some way cool if you really didn't comprehend their actual being. I think older bastards will know what I'm saying. It was, the business was such gypsy, yeah, such that's come in your town, carny your money out of you, whatever. Yeah. But like I used to hear stories about, I heard them after the fact, but like he and Matt Bourne would get in fights driving to the next town when they were a tag team and challenge each other and get on the side of the road and beat the fuck out of each other. I, yeah. Or they would say that they could beat each other in like a, a race and just fucking Tommy Rogers went on of the fantastics fame went on. Uh, I think it was Austin's one of Austin's early editions of uh, whatever the fuck his show's called. Steve Austin, mm-hmm. that nearly famous guy, Steve Austin. What? And he talked about Buzz Sawyer, like putting him into a fucking uh, phone booth. For you kids, they used to make calls out of a booth. <laughs> but anyway, and, and shooting them with steroids. Not that he didn't want it, but that was where he got his shit. And so Buzz Sawyer was just awful, but an amazing fucking guy to watch. Oh, my God. And the less you know, the better with him. And glad he's in the Hall of Fame if there's a physical one. But the dude was, like, involved with everybody fucked up, fucked over Magnum TA, fucked over The Undertaker for right. training money. Yeah, disappeared town to town, no showed, just a total piece of shit, but an amazing worker, crazy and the, as fuck. And the, and the and, shit he did to those job guys, you know, uh, back in the, the yeah, Georgia he, days, their shit, and yeah, just a total piece of shit. He'd but, steal their he'd steal their gear and beat the living shit out of them in the ring on top of that shoot on them and just oh, stretch them eight ways from Sunday and fling them to the floor, but, yeah. yeah, backwards, but. <laughs> Apropos, he got all fucked up and dropped dead before he was 40. So fuck you as a, a human being. Yeah, man. I, I think everybody knows the Undertaker story because it's more modern and the Undertaker, everybody knows who the Undertaker is. But yeah, do yourself a favor or maybe don't do yourself a favor if you just want to enjoy Buzz the Worker. Uh, go out there and kind of look up some stories on Buzz Sawyer, the human being. Uh, at least as far as the stories are out there, maybe the most biggest piece of shit of a human there was in the business. I'm sure there's been bigger. I'm sure. A lot of guys have done a lot of fucked up shit over the last hundred years or so. But for the modern era, I'm calling it modern era anyway, Buzz Sawyer, total fuckbag. Yeah, we're going to do uh, eventually down the road, guys, uh, listeners, I should say, um, fans, friends, whatever you want to call yourselves. Countrymen. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do uh, like top fives and um, maybe some stupid sevens. And we got a lot of ideas, Ray and I. So uh, I'm sure Buzz Sawyer will show up somewhere at some point. Yeah, I'm sure Buzz will make uh, multiple top fives, top sevens, whatever. I'm sure Buzz Sawyer, we'll, we'll, he'll find his way on there more than one time anyway. Hey, hey man, don't, don't forget about the last battle of Atlanta, man. I got on there again. What's the show called again? TR, Tommy Red Shots the World, baby. Uh, Buzz Sawyer, is he still alive? Buzz Sawyer? Tommy, you you should know. You know Buzz Sawyer better than anyone. Hell, I don't remember anything except Tommy Rich 1981, Tech Wood Drive. I was a NWA world champion, you know what I mean? But me and Buzz Sawyer drew a big-ass house. Where you live, Cleveland? Yeah, Tommy, you've been here before. 
I was up there in Ohio, Michigan, everywhere I went. Sell out, me and Buzz Sawyer. So, Hall of Fame, man, give me a heads up. Give me a fucking, I feel, somebody say something back. Fired up. Hell yeah, Tommy Rich to the WWE Hall of Fame. Another name, another big omission there. Tommy, you were a huge draw way back in the day. I got rid of him. He follows me everywhere I go, Ray. And I can't wait to hear your story. Like um, I said, I only spent 14 hours with him. Uh, I don't want to shit on the dude, but that was enough for me. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It was just enough for me. I'm cool. I don't need to live that life every day. Gotcha. You know, they talk about some guys are still here. It's It shocks you. Uh, Tommy, what he was doing just fucking even in 2000, it just it, I can't imagine what he was doing in the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was yeah, it was an amazing trip, and I can't wait to tell you. You know, I'll probably we'll probably do that next show. We'll probably have time to get that story out there. But I uh, just want to finish up here, talk about the legacy, and then we'll talk about these WWE cuts that came. Then we'll get into the Billy Jack Haynes story. The last couple names here again: Pez Watley, more like the Brickhouse Brown. I loved Pez Watley, to be honest with you. I thought the dude really uh, could go in the ring for a little spark plug, dude. And uh, I liked his stuff. Anytime I ever get a chance to see any of his ICW stuff for the uh, old Papo territory, that was always fun. Uh, he was a good guy, but I liked how most of the clips were him uh, working as a job guy for the WWF back in 1990. So, but Pez Watley yes, makes the Hall of Fame. Yes, yes. <laughs> what got me here was, you know, Virgil's always making a campaign online to put him in the WWE Hall of Fame. Virgil's always got a very entertaining Twitter to follow, by the way, for anyone who doesn't. He's qu- quite entertaining, to be honest with you. Uh, so he's always making a campaign to enter the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't know who he pissed off there, but we got Brickhouse Brown going in before Virgil, who at least <laughs> was a notable character there for many years. This show's going to be eight hours because every time I hear a name, I got to go sidetracking. Mike Jones, Soul Train Mike yeah. Jones, who used to be with uh, Mike Kalua and Tom Brandy and all those good folks and Larry Sharp, who was over to Monster Factory shows and all that. Way back when I first started. And, um, you know, he was a normal dude, just, you know, built very well. Not fucking Carl Gotch in the ring, but great look. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I recently, not, not recently at this point, but everything's pre-COVID when I say recently. Um, there was some kind of convention, maybe a Feinstein fucking pedophile convention or something. Um <laughs> So anyway, I was down there and I, uh, I, I seen, uh, Mike Jones, Virgil, and I knew him not very well, but okay. I approached him, the said girlfriend, which I mentioned many times on this show was with me. And, uh, you know, everybody that I had seen before that I knew before, like Jeff Jarrett was very cordial and glad to see me again and all that kind of shit and yada yada so we get to virgil i said hey mike what's up buddy and i wasn't doing the whole real name thing to be a jerk off i just that's the way i know him and he said i don't know what you're talking about and he couldn't even look me in the eye i don't know what he was on but he kept like looking away from me kind of like a lazy eye but he doesn't have lazy eyes like looking at me but sideways it's the side of my head, and he was like, I saw Andre. I saw Andre. And it was a shooting bro. He, I saw Andre. And I looked at my girl, and I go, okay. <laughs> but I'm talking about like, the Monster Factory and shit like that back in the day with Larry, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, brother, Andre loved me. He, 
he kicked me, and I kicked him right back, and I, I took out his knees. Because that's what you do with a big guy. I take out his knees. I took out Andre's knees. Virgil, okay. back away from your microphone. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I actually was going into character there because I remember the way he was getting towards my face. I hear you. I wrestled Andre. So I, I took out his knees. That's what you do to, to, to big people. I took out his knees. And I go, okay, cool, man. I, I remember those days, man. I'm happy for your success and everything. I, I, let's get a, a Polaroid for old times. I, I used that term, actually. When did, um, when did he wrestle Andre? To, to uh, I'm trying to think here. Didn't DiBiase um, buy off Andre? Weren't they both heels? Didn't they team up? I wrestled Andre. Now, he was so out of it. And I said, well, let's get a Polaroid for old times. And he goes, <laughs> bro, I need, you got 20? I go, yeah, but I'm not going to pay you 20. I, I got a picture <laughs> of you when you were like 20 years old. We were like, you know, whatever. You don't want to get a picture? Brother, you don't know how this business works. I wrestle Andre the Giant. I was like, okay. So I told my girl, I said, wait about two minutes. I'm just going to go over and give a sarcastic look sideways and get a picture of me and him. So I walked over back to his table and he was like <laughs> fucking fumbling around and I just turned to the camera and was just like, hey. But anyway, God bless you, Virg. <laughs> so Virgil still can't crack the WWE Hall of Fame at this point anyway. Uh, final name was the uh, the African-American lady, Ethel Johnson, who was like a trio of sisters, uh, some of the most prominent of the early uh, black girls, uh, black ladies in the uh, business. And I guess they used footage from Sandy Parker, who was a 70s worker, rather than Ethel Johnson, and Ethel Johnson's family went on Twitter and started having a, f a fucking fit. Not only did they use the wrong footage, the wrong lady, because, you know, in Vince's eyes, maybe they all look the same, pal. Uh, he said it, not me. But not only did she have a fit about that, they were never even alerted they were doing this. And then that's when Brody's wife came on and said, well, I was never told when Brody was going to be inducted. So it's a little questionable what they do here. Wow, that legacy has a little bit of thing to it, huh? They don't even tell the people. Yeah, I, I had heard that they they inducted this uh, whatever. What's her name? Ethel Johnson. Ethel Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, they probably said to Vince Ethel Johnson. And he thought they said Ahmed. And he goes, "Go ahead, just you know." He um, was Ahmed. He was Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Boy, he used to fucking fawn over Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I guess he would. I mean, as a closet gay guy who's a billionaire and you have a big black <laughs> cock like i just googled on porn coming at you he probably loved those fucking stupid white or stupid red fucking uh tights of his anyway well, that would explain why virgil uh, had that job for so long i just can't believe tennessee lee didn't stick around longer oh you mean uh the the robert fuller yeah the human tripod long dong silver himself jesus christ uh, I, you know this is not a show to talk about penis i hope <laughs> We're going to end up with a pay-per-view with a penis party that the other guy did. But uh, I, I always heard about Robert Fuller. And then, you know, I met the guy and all that shit. And good guy, at least from my experience. That's actually the first time I met Cactus Jack. But that'll take me in another fucking two-hour direction. That was in Memphis, Tennessee. Cactus was riding in his back seat. That was when Sylvia, his real-life wife, was his manager when I was down there. But, well, I'd rather be riding behind him than in front of him. I'll tell you that. Right, I would too, because I I always like you know you say yeah whatever, <laughs> you know people said it about Tony Atlas, people say it about Virgil, people say it about the Tennessee stud Robert Ford. 
Then I saw that fucking picture that did not look cropped on Twitter or somewhere. That was him in like a speedo. That fucking thing. He could probably <laughs> rent that out. The fucking uh, <laughs> he could rent that out to Bryce Harper, and he would, you know, probably make more contact than with his regular thirty-eight ouncer. <laughs> but it, uh, my joke is fucked up because I don't know current baseball. Yeah, that thing is unbelievable. From that, that's not to be fucked with. I don't know who could take that. Yeah, Miss Sylvia probably. <laughs> You see it in her stomach like a horror film, man. Something growing inside of her gut. Is Sylvia still with him? I have no idea. No idea. We we need to crack that case like we're cracking Billy Jack Haynes. Yeah. Which we never got to, by the way. But someday, fans, if we don't tonight, <laughs> we will someday. Just want to talk one more thing before we get to Billy, though. And that's WWE roster cuts that have now taken place. I, cut- I personally love this time of year when I... When people lose their jobs, it's, <laughs> it's just so festive. It creeps up on you. It's kind of funny yeah. because they cut a bunch of guys last year on April 15th, and they turn around and do it again the exact day this year. So it makes you wonder, is that a new trend? Do they want people to be scared? Because that seems like something Vince would just get a kick out of. Ha ha, they're all worried, pal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is Triple H involved in this? Who's involved in this? Just Vince? Is it Bruce Pritchard? Do you have any inside information of the current I don't think, day operation? I don't think Bruce can hire or fire anyone. Poor Johnny Ace. They just rehired him to the uh, talent relations job after he's he's been away from that job for fucking a decade or something. They It seems like they hired him back just to fire all these people because he's the one who had to make the call to all these people and tell oh, them they were, their services were no longer needed. Hey, Smojo. Sorry to tell you, but you're fired. So, be like, I would be like, um, you got the wrong number, but you did say I'm flexible. Yeah, there you go. So, they have, oddly enough, they still have 90 day compete clauses or no no compete clauses, even though they've been fired here. So they can't even get another job, a real job, until hey, July. Okay, okay I got to bring in Ricky Santana. We need a spot. Um, Ricky Santana. Good luck. <laughs> good luck in your future endeavors. <sighs> exactly. So, yeah, the names on the list, Billy Kay, like you pointed out, Mickey James, Kalisto, Tucker, the names start going, and I'm like, yeah, I can see this. I can see some of them I even wondered why the hell they were there for as long as they were. In fact, the Tucker name, who I never even think of or bring up, was randomly discussing some of the guys who weren't at WrestleMania the other day with my brother, and we brought up Otis because he was standing out there on the stage visibly in the front, even though he wasn't part of the the pay-per-view. He was out there at the beginning of the show, and he brings up Tucker, and I'm like, yeah, that guy has no personality. Why is he still there? And now he's not. So maybe that was my fault. Sorry, Tucker. Yeah, Tucker's a legit, you know, shooter. I think yeah, they he's were a both big dude. discovered by Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe. And, uh, you know, Otis has that fucking uh, Chris Farley deal. Sure does. And he was always the, the heavy machinery, uh, the star of that. And uh, Tuggy tweeted. Freedom finally, or I'm paraphrasing everything I say. Don't quote me verbatim, but freedom finally, or freedom, or something of that nature. But I don't know who the fuck is going to hire Tucky, except maybe like all Japan to make him Gary Albright. I don't know. Yeah, they could I mean, see that. I could see that over there. Maybe make some money over in Japan. Uh, you know, they fired uh, Blake of Blake and Murphy, who really hasn't been doing anything at all. Peyton Royce, Billy Kay's buddy, so they're both on the outs. Blake, Blake has been there forever, though. Yeah, I think like, I think I read he was there like at least eight, maybe longer, ten it, years, something it, like that. Blake and Murphy, he was uh, uh, the veterans, the whatever the fuck they call them, 
because his tag team partner was a Monster Factory grad too, Steve Cutler. And they had a three-man fucking blue man group or whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. They had a three-man with Jackson Riker for a minute, like on television, until Jackson Riker was a Trump supporter, then everything had to go south. Right. And then they, they came back real quick with Baron Corbin. I don't know if you pay attention enough to the current product but i didn't it, watch um, it but i was following it i was reading it i know exactly what you're referring to they stuck him like knights of the round table kind of gimmick or whatever with baron corbin there yeah but i mean like i mean who the fuck is blake is he gonna go like to new japan or the fucking AEW? Now, like, like i said none of these names so far shocked me i was a little upset peyton royce was cut i thought she had a a, a nice look so i was uh i was a little shocked i thought she had way more to offer than billy Kay. i've wondered from the beginning, why that girl even had a job other than they were both buddies from Australia because uh, Billy Kay's just the, uh, this is a wrestling term, the drizzling shits. Yeah, um, Billy Kay and, and you know, I know, I don't mean to discriminate, but Peyton Royce is much more attractive. Oh, yeah, um, without a doubt. Uh, the, the Iconics kind of like popped me a little with their little thing they did for a couple weeks, but can you be mad at Vince McMahon so far for, for the names we talked about? No, not at all. None of them are even uh, shocking. Are they going to draw money? Are they going to no? Are they going to draw ratings? Are they going to do? You know, it sucks when you lose a job. I'm sorry that anybody loses their job, especially yeah. me. If I lose mine, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's Billy Kay is what you said, and Peyton Royce is kind of hot, but she she's it seems like a pattern. She's tied to uh, Sean Spears. Yeah, the perfect ten, Ty Dillinger who's now in the pinnacle and somebody else, a female who you'll get to eventually is tied to some other guy who's right. not there anymore. So anyway, I'll let you finish. Kind of curious to see if Lana goes as well, to be honest with you, but uh, Chelsea exactly. green, Chelsea green. Yes. Yeah, there you go. And there's was, another one, which uh, is easy on the eyes, but unfortunately, yeah, another one cut. but my understanding is it's more so because they they uh, deemed her accident prone or injury prone, I should say. You know, if if the shoe fits, so to speak, she's always kind of hurting herself. But right, some of her goddamn pictures on whatever social media, she's definitely an attention person. If you're happy with the Long Island true story in your little, see that that is a measure of a woman whether she's a rat or she's real. Now that she doesn't have a contract with the big show, no pun, and she's with a guy who's not Zack Ryder anymore, he's on Impact and doing a fucking action figure podcast with Brian Myers. Right. Does Chelsea Green fucking explode and prove everybody wrong, like, a, I don't know, a Charlotte Flair would or a Sasha Banks would? Or does she just become a hot chick who's, you know, fucks somebody else and gets back in? <laughs> I guess uh, only time will tell. She seemed to be pretty quick about responding online, just kind of like Tucker. I mean, she kind of accepted it, and uh, time to move on. Some of the some of the people tweeted almost immediately after their release, and I don't know if they seemed relieved or if it was just a, a show, but they didn't wait to respond. They they were right there. Okay, well, time to move on. Yeah, I mean, I can jump in. I guess um, Mickey James. Yeah, I mean, what do you want? She. She was brought back. She, she's a mother of how many? One or two? Not sure, but I I know that they were wanting to put her in as like a trainer. I last I heard down in NXT or something like that. So it wasn't like she was coming back to the uh, to be full time in in the uh, ring anyway. 
See, I think she's smart enough to know that with her tenure there and her run there or whatever, it's always going to be there as long as she's in shape, keeps herself okay. And like that, they got rid of that Sarah Del Rey too uh, before, right? Um, I have no idea. I I don't think she's still there. Maybe I'm wrong, but people like that will always be all right. You know, she'll be all right. Do you have anybody before the before the big one? Uh, yeah, just one more. The Fiend's brother, Bo Dallas, who hasn't even been on TV since uh, I believe I read like one of the Crown Jewel pay per views back in 2019. But supposedly he's been um getting involved in real estate and basically planning on leaving the business anyway. So. And uh, from what I read, he lives on a farm somewhere with um, Liv Morgan. So maybe she'll be the next one out. <laughs> Sorry. I was off mic when you said that. Uh, that's funny. I, I didn't know that that, that was a uh, – I probably did but forgot. Um, Enzo said Liv's been around the block, but I didn't – did I say Enzo? I don't know who said it. But anyway, how you doing? Um <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Bo, I, I had this airport job. I don't want to go into my fucking shitty life, but uh, before I had this current career that I have, um, I did a lot of weird jobs, and one of them was in the airport. So was, this one morning I see uh, a bunch – you know, it's weird, man. I used to hang out at the hotel, which was, like, weird enough. You know, but in the 80s there was no internet and stuff, and – so I would see these fucking, like, the stereotypical people that you would think are fans of professional wrestling. Um, you know Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern Show? Oh, yeah. Uh, people that look like that, that were like, you know, six foot tall, um, 35 years old, 40 years old, in the airport at like five in the morning. I'm rushing to get through one terminal to get to, to my job, but I see a bunch of people coming in. And I see... Bo Dallas with Roman Reigns. And it was almost like sad to me because Bo Dallas, I, I think, had a little potential. And he was NXT champ, I believe, for a minute. And literally, like all these goofballs, there was like 10 of them in a circle with their magazines and all this kind of shit. They ran to Roman Reigns, and Bo Dallas literally just kind of waited by the side. They didn't even know who he was when he was on TV. So the industry might not be for Bo. I don't know. I always liked Bo, though. I got a kick out of him. Yeah, I thought he uh, did a good job taking what they gave him and running with it as best as you possibly fucking could anyway. Yeah, third generation fucking. No, there was a lot, I think, that could have been done. But if his mind was elsewhere and, and he's making money, fuck it. Good for you, Bo. Yeah. And now we're down to, I think, just one Rotunda in the entire company because I believe Mike Rotunda got cut when all those agents got cut. I don't believe he was rehired. So The Fiend's going to support the entire family at this point. Or, oh, I guess Bo's doing his own thing, so I guess not. Well, The Fiend, the Fiend's supporting like six families from his fucking winding cock that goes around every yeah. fucking place. <laughs> he just fucking nails everybody in his little uh, fucking neighborhood or whatever that show's called. But anyway, good for you, Bray hitting that fucking professional baseball player's daughter. Like, you're not going to have great genetics when you're a grandpa. Fucking watching your son throw a heater for fucking 95 miles an hour. Anyway. Absolutely. 
So the big name, obviously, here is uh, Samoa Joe, who was just doing the announcing in a rink in a poncho, standing up in front of the thing, looking at a fucking monitor on the floor, night one of WrestleMania. Samoa Joe goes through all of that, and then a couple days later, he's cut. I don't know what the story is there, but uh, he took it lightheartedly anyway, on, on Twitter anyway, with CM Punk back and forth. You got you to gotta smart me up with that. Um, I, you know, I, I said I, I get my news from Twitter. Yeah. So I was always like not bothered, but curious why he's an announcer as opposed to a wrestler. Does he have? He had so uh, s- injuries. several injuries. Every time they started to use him on in the WWE, I don't, I, I don't remember if he had any injuries in NXT or not. I feel like he had at least one. But they okay. tried to use him, I feel like, three different times in WWE, and some of them in prominent positions. Like I remember at one point he was going to go into WrestleMania and work somebody pretty, pretty high up. I can't remember who, and he got injured. Um, there was a, at least three different occasions, and I don't know if it was also – got to remember he filmed a commercial or something. Uh, where he was getting put through a table for a fucking video game commercial or something and got a concussion. And that was the last time I think he was out. Yeah, so I don't know if it's just too many concussions also. You know how they are about that. But there were just other injuries that he suffered as well, and then he eventually became the announced position. So a lot of people are speculating, and I know that I'm sure Dave Meltzer and a few other guys probably already have the, the real insight on this, so it'll come out later. But some people are speculating this is Joe not being able to be cleared in WWE, but being cleared to go anywhere else, and now he wants to go wrestle. I don't know that that's true, but I don't put anything past the the guys of this era, even though Joe's in his early, basically my age. I don't understand that, though. If I'm getting paid six figures to sit at a fucking table, and I'm in my 40s, and I have all these fucking injuries, and, and you know I've had several concussions, maybe it's just the fighting spirit, so to speak, in Joe, that he wants to go back out and wrestle, if that's even the case. Or maybe they did just let him go and he didn't even see it coming. That could also be the deal here. But, I mean, if I'm Joe, I'm cool with six figures sitting at a fucking table. And, uh, yeah. Bro, if I'm Joe, I'm cool with all that. Like, I I totally am in agreement with you. Like, he's already been, you know, dubbed the best wrestler in the world when he was fucking with Kenna Kobashi and all that shit. Ring of Honor bullshit. Yeah. I actually paid for a ticket to see the tag match when... Kabashi and somebody worked him and somebody. They had the singles up in New York or some shit. Shout out to Carrie Silken, by the way. Um, I I know he's a uh, polarizing figure, but he's always been cool to me. Samoa Joe, a guy that was a believable foe. I believe it was a, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, a pay-per-view main event against Brock Lesnar, right? I have no idea, man. I, uh, my memory's shit with WWE over the last 20 years. So He choked <laughs> him out on the stage. That's right. Brock, and yeah. Brock cooperated with him to be turned purple and whatever. Like, my memory's as bad as you. No, <laughs> you're right. People. You're right. It took, it took a little jogging, up, but yeah, I remember. What's fucked up is these like, younger, like, if there is still younger hardcore fans. Like, could you imagine me and you at 20 years old listening to old fucks like us go, I think that he got choked out on the stage. They'll be like, that was April 17th, 2016, you dumb motherfuckers. Well, keep tuning in. Oh, yeah, dude. I could fucking rattle shit off from fucking 1920 to fucking 1996, at least. Maybe 2000. But, yeah, that's that's a guy that's been to the top of pretty much everywhere he's went eventually, but... He did start with John Cena, and it took his his journey and John's were like completely Clear, fucking. Yeah, but uh, I was happy to see him finally get there. And now, uh, you know, there's there was one 
theory or whatever that he requested his release, like you alluded to, that Mm -hmm. somebody else might, quote, let him wrestle. I heard that nobody's cleared to be on TV till July something or other. July 15th. 90 days, yeah. But a pseudo-healthy Samoa Joe would probably be a good thing for the recent 1.2 million, if that's an accurate rating report for AEW. I read it was about a double, but they also contributed some of that probably to Mike Tyson. So there's that. But yeah, that's still, I'm not fucking knocking the number though. If you do over a million, that's uh, that's great, you know. And I guess uh, NXT did a pretty damn good number for them as well. So how many did they do? I didn't see that. I want to say close to nine hundred thousand. I can't remember. I think it was like eight hundred seventy some thousand, maybe. You know, it was so for me. I I know you're really not like me on the current product. You're more into the past, but yeah, like for me, it was nice not to have like. I'll just not watch this till like next weekend because how can I be a podcast co-host of yours without knowing what the fuck's going on until a week later? You know what I mean? So it was kind of nice that there was just one show a night. Thank you, wrestling business, for now before you fuck it up and go on the same days again. <laughs> Except like NWA Power and AEW fucking. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna say if if AEW keeps creating fucking shows, they'll be on seven days a week. That's what I'm saying. Like. You know, just just chill the fuck out. Just take your Wednesday and get your million viewers and build your deal and whatever. Fucking elevation, but not to be confused with the fucking elevation bar, which helps with your diet or some shit. Enough. I'll stop. You said there was one. I would say there was actually one more cut made. Uh, I actually saw it about five minutes before we went on the air. And the, the last cut I saw, which brings us to an even 10 people cut today. At least last last I last I knew about it was Mojo Raleigh, who a guy who finally started to get that push once Gronk signed. No shocker there. And then Gronk kind of flakes out on WWE, takes off, goes back to his buddy Tom Brady down there in Tampa. And so instead, Mojo gets it's kind of funny the way this works. Gronk signs with the uh NFL again. I think I think he re- got reinstated back in the summer. And so Boom, Mojo magically disappears off the TV at the same exact time last June. We haven't seen Mojo Raleigh since last June when Gronk pulled a fast one on the company. And so fast forward almost a year later, I saw Triple H kind of doing an interview before WrestleMania. They asked him if there was any talks of bringing Gronk back again, and he didn't want to say yes or no, but he just said Gronk's Gronk, and Gronk's going to do what he's going to do, and you don't know if he's going to show up until he shows up. So it sounded like Trips was leaving the door open, like maybe there was a little hope. They were talking to him a little bit about WrestleMania and they're down in Tampa, but there's no Gronk on either episode. And then all of a sudden, a few days later, there's no more Mojo Raleigh in the company. So uh, I said it, you know, way back when Gronk signed, he, you know, Mojo's very lucky that his, his best friend or one of his, one of his best buddies is, uh, is what is the world famous uh, Rob Gronkowski. Unfortunately, now it also kind of hurt Mojo because now that Gronk's not coming back, Mojo got the boot as well. He's going to have to live in Gronk's bus or something. <laughs> well, I mean, if that dude had any fucking sense, he would have stacked the cash aside. I defended that son of a bitch on these fucking chat boards and fucking smart fan deals because I said he had size, agility, strength. Because it, like, I think it was University of Maryland football player, and he he still, I believe, holds all the records for like fucking 
deadlifts and fucking squats and cleaning jerks and bench press, yada, yada, yada. You know, I knew he was Gronk's buddy, but I figured he would come around. Then he won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal deal. I'm like, okay, this guy will get pushed or whatever. He's there, obviously, because he's Gronk's boy. But, you know, he's a legitimate athlete, and he's much bigger than people perceive on television. He's a huge motherfucker. He's like 6'4 or something and just jacked. How many years has he been there, do you know? At least 10. That's what I was thinking. I was going to say that without asking, but I think he's been there a decade. If I saw that dude in a fucking bar with his all jumping around, and even Matt Cardona slash Zack Ryder said it in one interview, I love him, but it was annoying being this tag team partner. He's like Syrian born. He may be a fucking shoe bomber for all I know, but (laughs) anyway, uh, he got a decade of minimum 3,000 a week, would you say? Minimum? Sure. So, Mr. Mojo Rising. You're not going to get hired by AEW for sure. Unless, unless they can talk Gronk into coming. <laughs> although the con, although the cons, yeah, well, the cons aren't, uh, that's a different team, though. Well, they Jacksonville. That, they also have the NFL connection. So right, they gotta, right. But I, I don't see him there. I, I, I see Impact, like, putting him on to fuck with Zack Ryder, but Zack Ryder would probably be like, no, I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> the dude's just, I hope he stacked his money and... I got to admit, I was wrong. I thought he would turn out to be something because I, I sensed a little charisma there in the beginning that a lot of people didn't, but I have no problem with him being released. Sorry, Mojo. Good luck in your future endeavors. He'll be, he'll be our third co-host in two weeks. <laughs> we can stay hype with Mojo Raleigh here. <laughs> we were going to talk Billy Jack Haynes, but I guess we're going to put that off one more time. Sorry, guys, but it's just such a long story. We've got WrestleMania to talk about. Wait, you want to piss me, daddy? <laughs> no, thank you. Sorry, Absolutely not. <laughs> Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, I will say this much. If you want to tease the Billy Jack Haynes story, uh, which we're still recording this week as well, Mr. Haynes has been missing, in, so to speak, for about a year now, and Tom found him. Or Tom had help finding him, but Tom knows where his whereabouts. Him, yes. yes. But yes. he does know of the whereabouts of Mr. Haynes. So we're going to get into that. So that should be fun as well, because there's guys that are much closer to Mr. Haynes and, and Tom or I, and they can't even seem to locate Billy right now. But with the help of some uh, friends of Tom's, he's, he's found Mr. Billy Jack Haynes. Yes, sir. Lots of dark stories also coming up in that episode. But uh, that's next time. For this time, we're going to stick with WrestleMania, stick with the WWE, since we were talking about cuts and the Hall of Fame and all that other shit. We're going to go with the uh, night one. At least, Tom, you haven't seen Night 2 yet, so I didn't really feel comfortable running through that unless there's a match or two you want to talk about. But Night 1, we're going to talk about WrestleMania Saturday, as Vince McMahon kept telling the announcers to call it. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. They opened it up with Vince out there, and he get the old, WrestleMania! That was great. And uh... <laughs> Sasha was right over his uh, shoulder. That jumped out to me. She has... Her recent stuff, she has spoken about uh, retooling her brain and believing that she can be Vince McMahon. Literally, she said that. Um, Wow. So interesting when she took her time off for her uh, little mental breakdown or whatever that was. Yeah, it was something. Yeah. And 
You know, I used to want to fucking lick her fucking cunt straight up. Yum, 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 yum. Delicioso. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> bash her little hips with my little penis and uh, <laughs> tell her that I don't make her gear, but I'm going to make her come and so <laughs> forth. Ding, ding, ding. But now, like, she's too big of a star. She used to be just little Mercedes who was had a special needs brother from Minnesota and Boston and had a loose connection from her biological father to Snoop Dogg, yo-yo. And, like, she was hot with her fucking skinny fucking little plumpy butt out of the skinniness and the ripped abs and the little boob cleavage. And now you're too into yourself, girl, because, girl, you might have lost me. I mean... Oh no. We'll have to we'll have to push that, you know. I mean, if she wants to come back to TR and I'm talking to a third person, that's what chicks like, right? If you want to come back to well, TR, and, you know, maybe we'll uh reaccept you, but you're too cocky right now. But anyway, mm-hmm. continue my friend Ray. Yeah, and you need to uh, fucking change your theme music back to your old music, but that's neither Absol- here here. <laughs> I agree. We didn't talk about that, I don't think, but I agree. No, that's fucking tuba music she has. Fucking tuba music. I I don't get it. Like, I I keep waiting. Okay, see, she turned face. Now she's going to switch back. Okay, it's it's WrestleMania. Now she's going to switch back. No, it's clearly here to stay for whatever fucking reason. I don't get it. Right. Anyway, sorry to to ruin the start of WrestleMania with my preferred. <laughs> well, you weren't the only one that ruined, or the only thing that ruined the start of WrestleMania, you know. Uh, because... Right about that. God <laughs> had something to do with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's getting revenge for that night Vince McMahon beat God back in the, yeah. uh, back in the day. It's a receipt. Yeah. Talk about uh, long-term storybook, storyline booking. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they kick off the show with some chick, I don't know, BB Rexa or whatever the fuck her name is with her junk or her female junk hanging out of the front of her, uh, some cleavage, if you will. Listen, from the picture you um, provided to me and from my memory, I don't know who the fuck this BB Alexa or Rexa or fucking <laughs> Tyrus Rex or whatever the fuck her name is, is, but... I can't tell in this day and age with the new dress, like the new, um, what's Sasha Banks' husband do, uh, gear, whatever they call those people. Gear Seamstress? Maker. I don't know. Fucking yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. That's a pretty common term since the 1920s. But anyway, a seamstress uh, had, her, had her jugs out sideways, and they look like real good gimmicks. But are they? Because <laughs> J-Lo never got the fucking implants. And she looked good at one of those awards that, that kind of propelled her little fucking in living color shit and, you know, her her trek to the top with her little tiny A cup titties. So I, I don't know what this means to the wrestling business, but I want to <laughs> know if BB Lex Luger has real tits. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that. That's the uh, that's something to research for the next episode. Of the show. Uh, (laughs) After she sings, they go into the opening video. It's like a five-minute fucking promo. It's actually part of the one from last year. I don't know. It might have been the entire uh, intro from last year's WrestleMania, to be honest with you. Um, But they changed up the audio and whatnot and stuff. So at least, you know, it looked very professional, but it just ran on and on and on. And so you're all pumped for WrestleMania. Vince says, WrestleMania. They get the chick to come out there and sing. She's got her knockers hanging out. We go into a video. They busted their ass to put that together. And then 
We cut to the ringside, and it's Michael Cole, and Samoa Joe, and a poncho. I think this. I think at this point, it was. Either, I don't know if it's the pre-show or the beginning of the pay-per-view. Byron Saxton's mic wasn't even working from the rain. You'd think they would be more prepared when, in, you know, the entire weekend they were they were saying rain was coming, and they have like a tarp over the ring and almost nothing else. So. <laughs> The announced yeah. area is completely wet, and these guys are st- sitting there. I think they were still sitting at this point, but Michael Cole announces as soon as they go on air that there's a rain delay for the next 40 fucking minutes. Yeah, that was fucking weird. And then they had to rush together. I don't, you know, I, I haven't read anything and whatever, oh, but oh my God. they had to rush together a bunch of fucking bad promo guys to do promos. I mean, not bad, but. Not Terry Funk or Austin Idol for no, you know they what make, I mean. They make the mistake of immediately starting with Shane McMahon, who was just talking and sir, it was so horrible. They literally shoot sent MVP onto the set to take over for Shane, and Shane was not in any way, shape, or form upset about that. He was like happy to get the fuck <laughs> out of the out of the fucking camera. Um, so yeah, MVP no. comes in there and he he knocks it out of the. He does a good job. He doesn't really go anywhere with the promo, but it didn't sound like he was fucking searching for words. You'd figure Shane. Could do a little better job than he did there. Kevin Owens did a great job, I thought. Braun Strowman was atrocious, which didn't really shock me. It shocked me some of the guys they chose to put in. New Day did okay because they, they did their shtick, so it wasn't really anything special, but at least they, they bought some time. But You know what I thought when I saw Braun Strowman say that, the, the, do his promo? What's that? Man, this guy's fucking stupid. Dummy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good point. So he's trying to get over that he's not, but clearly he is. And, and it's almost like he agrees with that because this is for all the stupid people or people that were told they were stupid or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're told you're stupid, you are, you fucking dumbbell. Look, listen, go look at tapes of your old man hitting softball home runs and fucking stop eating all protein diets. You're not <laughs> going to look like Billy Graham. You're just a fucking dummy. Fuck him. <laughs> Dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So more on Braun later in the show because he's got that big cage match coming up. You know who else was terrible was the the promo girl Schreiber, Sarah, Schreiber, whatever the fuck her name is. She was awful. She has no idea what to do. It's almost like she has no idea what wrestling is. And they threw her out there and told her to go interview these guys. And she just really has no idea how to sound articulate when she's asking these questions. So she was she, it, Char- it was, is she Charlie's replacement. I think she was already up. I think they brought some guy in. There was some guy on WrestleMania that has like some sort of an accent I didn't really pick up. I don't know who the fuck the guy is. He you replaced be, Charlie. You can't replace you Chuck. Totally correct and fucking point out all the dots of your of your fucking diversity and shit. But I don't know who that guy is. He might be all right. But well, he's no Charlie. All I want all I wanted to talk about was Charlie's fucking dick sucking lips. Mm. She you know, definitely. Without question, because she she did a little uh, interview about her departure. She had a blast, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Her biggest thrill was being in a uh, storyline with Garza. Garza. Right. And uh, she wished she could have blah, 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 blah. A.K.A. She sucked the boys off, without question. Fuck you in your first take on ESPN. You suck dick. With, those lips don't get formed like that if you don't suck dick. I know you suck dick, Charlie. <laughs> and I got one for you. Oh, I'll, I'll stand in and line. My name's Robinson, and yours is Caruso, so we're oh, a man. match. <laughs> Just came up. 
So finally, we're going to start the show, and after a 40-minute delay, what way to get, kick things off? And no, not a wrestling match, but Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil now come out for absolutely no reason whatsoever. I don't even, other than the they fact are, that they were already there for the Hall of Fame, there was no reason to have them out there. They're like Ricky and Robert. They're like uh, Bobby Stan, Bobby and Dennis. They are so perfect together. Fuck it. That was the most, one of the most awkward fucking scenes I've seen. Yeah, no um, doubt. I don't remember Hogan's racist quote, but it was something with an end bomb, right? There was a, it was a, it was a tirade, not necessarily one, one particular quote or one, one particular end bomb. I believe there's probably about a half dozen. And wasn't Titus like one of the main guys that was offended or everything or. Yeah. You know, and after, after this WrestleMania, I just Googled real quick, uh, Titus Hogan trying to gauge something out of that. And I read like two years ago, he just, uh, he was still shitting on Hogan. He doesn't forgive him. He doesn't accept his apology because I don't know if you even heard the story when Hogan had to come and apologize to the locker room for, for the things he had said when he came back to the company, he didn't really apologize for what he said. It was more of a speech of, yeah, he really is. You're right. You figure a guy that's at the top of his, his business would learn how to play politics better, not just in the ring, but outside of the ring. And he just, I think he's really aloof. He has no clue. And he comes, he comes there to apologize. And instead of apologizing, he says, you know, I shouldn't have done that brother, but that's, that's to teach you guys a lesson that everybody's listening. Everybody's recording you, you, you know, so it's not necessarily don't say these things or don't think this way. It's be careful where you say it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> Hogan is such a dope and it's, it's mind boggling that guys like you and I are sitting here. We talk off air and we have, you know, brilliant conversations <clears throat> i'm a little exaggerating there but creative license we both have a have a good he- head on our shoulders this bass playing fucking juicing motherfucker became somehow like everybody's good at one thing he was good at this one thing he fucking then he gets the fuck did you see his fucking pecker by the way in that in that video with bubba's wife i never really watched that one just uh, like a minute or two of it well, I did watch it because I always look to see who's hung and who isn't. I don't know if that's a fucking character trait of mine or a bad thing. <laughs> but the Incredible Hulk looked like he was billed as 6'9 once he pulled away. But that fucking broad, Heather Clem, if you're out there somewhere, let me suck on those big balloons. I know you have like 80 kids <laughs> and you fuck Bubba and Hogan, but please let me lick your fucking ass crack. Oh, Anyhow. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> so. We got Hogan and Titus O'Neil. What an odd couple, but apparently money changes everything. And it was cringeworthy because it was just like Titus is not his biggest accomplishment was falling under the ring at the <laughs> crown jewel. Uh, yeah. Like him or not, like we've been discussing the last minute or so, he sued Gawker. He got $115 million or some shit uh, for that, for the Heather Clem fuck. Give me $115 million to fuck Heather Clem. Well, he, he put him out of business, right? He didn't even see all the money. He only got like a portion of it, right? Whatever the fuck he got. He's got money. He's got fame. He's got all that shit. And, and he was over. I was a Hulkamaniac, believe it or not, even at sort of an advanced age to say that. But the dude is like such a retard. He's a <laughs> functional. He should be in, this, in the fucking, not money-wise, I wish I had his business sense so I could have like 
stores and seven houses and pay ex-wives and all that shit, but he's a fucking retard. Um, you know, sorry. you know, when Linda took so much of his fucking money, I almost had a little bit of pity on him, but then this, he turns around and, and makes all this money back from Gawker and whatnot. So yeah, it worked, worked out for him in the long, long run, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Terry Boulder is not doing too bad, but anyway, so, I'm sorry to interrupt on without, we didn't even get the matches, but it was just such an awkward twosome. Well, I mean, we're going to skip over some of these matches pretty fast. There's not a lot to it. They kicked things off with actually the WWE title match which was champion Bobby Lashley over Drew McIntyre uh, with the Hurt Lock. Just pass us out from the Hurt Lock like a bitch in your opener. Uh, their first match back in front of the fans, the babyface does the job clean, well, kind of clean, to the heel in just over 18 minutes. Did you see the setup to the finish? Drew's going for the Claymore kick. He starts to take a step forward, and he just stops. And he looks back down at MVP, who was at ringside shouting shit. Here. Yeah, that's what I, my take was. Did he forget to grab his leg? Because there's no way. I mean, it made Drew look like a complete fucking idiot to turn around and look at him for yelling at him. I mean, he's been doing that the entire fucking match. And you're in the middle of a move and you stop doing it? MVP in a, in a uh, penitentiary in Rikers or wherever the fuck he was at was fucking some Scottish dude. So that was his bitch back when he was incarcerated. But no, I'm just kidding. I like MVP. But yeah, that finish looked kind of weird. But as I said on previous shows, if we get a race history from those people that don't have CTE like me or don't have a family like you that you got to rush around and do everything and provide and so forth. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it was just I love Lashley. Because I, I've seen him when he was a young talent, and my little interaction with him has been positive. He's a killer. He can fuck people up. Like, he's probably the toughest guy in the current locker room. But the money was there, like, whenever... When did he come back? Two years ago? I'm asking yeah. you a serious uh, question. Yeah, Two well, years ago? you're asking the wrong person, but that sounds about right. Well, at that point... Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe. Those kind of fucking main events would have been great. And well, that's the story Samoa he was Joe. told, I guess, when he was rehired. He, he just said that recently, that he was told that when he was coming back, the plan was for him to eventually work Brock Lesnar, and it just never happened. In fact, they didn't Why? do shit with him. Well, they never did shit with him. He was, you know, uh, railing Lana or whatever in a Rusev storyline there for a while to get Rusev yeah, to resign, I, and it didn't work out that way. I mean, I... I the pervert in me enjoyed like blacks on blondes.com. <laughs> At least that was a thing like 10 years ago. I kind of loved that whole deal, but not from a wrestling making money standpoint. Bobby <laughs> Lashley is a badass motherfucker. Well, no, there's no and, payoff. You can't, can't see anything in fucking wrestling. Right on. And it's like, you know, so now he's the champ and he's Ken Patera with the fucking full Nelson, major Nelson from fucking I dream of Jeannie. That's a reference that I only remember. Barbara Eaton was really hot. Anyway, oh, you're God, 10 yeah. years too young. No, I'm not. <laughs> Hell right. no. Barbara Eaton, very hot. Absolutely. All right, I'm done. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I get the... the, the, the I kind of thought MVP missed his cue because I was like, what the fuck happened? It's over? But, you know... Yeah, Drew did one of those takes where you kind of do the stumble with your foot, but the guy didn't grab it. And right. he looks back. It's just, I don't know. Nobody's Meltzer. Nobody said that the, the cue was missed. It, it's almost like that's the way it was planned, but it was, it was just, it looked like shit. And then he fell to the, the full Nelson, like a bitch. You're well, you wait till I get out 
to San Jose and see that fucking Meltzer, <laughs> my old buddy. I'm talking to you, Dave Meltzer. Yeah, the Melts. When you used to fucking, on a reader's page, put um, DM edits in bold print to correct me when I was incorrect. Well, now, listen, Meltzer, <laughs> it's time for you and I to face off in an AEW ring because apparently you won't face off anywhere else. Maybe Japan? Don't let it hide with your jujitsu lessons and your fucking bodybuilding. I'm coming in. And, and your pullover fucking uh, sports uh, fucking memorabilia coats from fucking 1997. Oh, fucking stop. I was only joking because I'm his friend. I can't bust <laughs> on him. I what? was his friend. But listen, he's only responded to me. I might be a mute guy on Twitter. You never know if you're a mute guy. You know that mute button where you yeah. can fuck with people and let them say all they want? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> oh, Dave only responded to me like twice out of like 30 times. And that ain't cool. Dave's That's a busy guy on there. He typically... Like, oh, you know, I can't do impressions right now. <laughs> what, impression of Dave Meltzer? No, of uh, Carlito. Oh. That's not cool. That's not cool. Thank you. It's better than I would have That's not cool. So, yeah, anyway, uh, DeMeltz didn't report anything here, so supposedly, maybe, this is the way it was supposed to finish, but terrible, terrible finish, and just kind of a, eh, bleh, match to me, bland. They do a backstage segment with Bailey and the NWO, which was, it went nowhere. It felt like they just turned the cameras on and told them to go without any direction. It was awful. Um, you know, I got, I, I have an opinion about that. And if you, if you noticed it already, or if you watch it back, like you're right about the direction of that skit. Yeah. It was like, those guys are just there for the money. They don't give a fuck. Whatever. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. And Sean Thank Waltman you. looked like he was genuinely happy to be there. Thank you. Um, that's an old friend of mine and he probably is, was, and always will be. And if you notice at the last second of the skit, while they blew her, Kevin Nash put his hand away and stuff right, right. and yeah. everybody's like, Hey, Hey, yo, whatever to get away. Or Sean actually gave the two sweet and said, I'm a big fan. Actually. Yeah. Waltman's fucking gold. He's one of us. He just happened to, you know, work his way into a big situation and God bless him with his ripped up asshole. Yeah. Oh my God. Poor guy. <laughs> That's a great excuse for getting it in the ass. Uh, I, I, I tore this up on the Bronco Buster. Yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, but it was just—it's exactly like you said. You know, they—they—they they, they did the promo at the Hall of Fame, and it just sounded like they didn't give a fuck. They—they they were like almost cutting like a wrestling promo, and they thanked everybody for all the merch that they sell, and then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Waltman's like, thank you guys. And then we turn around here and they're totally like shitting all over Bailey in this segment and not in a heel way, not in a wrestling way, just legitimately like, how is this helping Bailey at all? They're like, kind of like, fuck you. And then Waltman just kind of no, no sells them. And Hey, I, I, I'm a fan. Thank God for Sean Waltman, because I mean, you got Scott Hall there, big, big Scott Hall with big Scottish Hall, who we just talked about Drew McIntyre, but Scott Hall just, blown her off kevin nash went for a handshake and pulled it back and touched his gray hair kevin nash has been so outspoken on twitter about fucking anti-trump and all that bullshit good right. be a democrat you're you you know you got all your thing good for you kev um you love the <laughs> and you love the 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 trans <laughs> whatever the fuck you love i bet that son of his that like punched him in the mouth is probably like dressing in fucking bras and panties or something because he was big daddy cool and now he's big daddy queer 
Um, fuck Kevin Nash with his attitude. Lacey Von Erich's fucking buried him. <laughs> I, if anybody can get a chance to look at the Lacey Von Erich shit from WrestleCon, he was trying to play a cool, big, sexy. You're not big, sexy anymore. You got like fucking $300,000 worth of fucking injections in your back to take out your fucking fluid to make your fucked up hips and your uh, magic mic bullshit that you kind of looked all right back in the day. You're an old fucking retard. Fuck you, Kevin Ash. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he's hard to like, man. He's just, he makes it hard, hard to like him. I used to like him, but when I read his tweets, like, you know, um, I don't know, somebody half-dressed would, like, shoot up, like, I mean, the guy's just a dick. People. I mean, he's just a dick, Tom. I mean, I, he did a shoot interview where he was eating fucking pasta while the guy was interviewing him. I mean, literally, like, eating fucking pasta during the fucking shoot. I mean, I, I yeah. get wrestlers are ass. Uh, some wrestlers are assholes, and even though you're paying them to do a job, they take advantage of you if they think you're a mark or a money mark. And he's one of those guys because what kind of a dickhead sits there at a, at a counter and sucks noodles up his mouth while you're talking to him. And then you got to wait for him to finish yeah. chewing for him to respond to your fucking answer. God bless Lacey Von Erich. I, I bet she would come on from her attitude towards those guys. And if anybody gets a chance, I can't remember who filmed her or who had access to that on Twitter, but Lacey Von Erich, uh, at WrestleCon was fucking gold destroying like guys who needed to be like knocked down a notch. And one of them was Kevin Nash, but go ahead. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So at this point we realize that Tom Phillips is no longer, well, he's not on WrestleMania. It's Michael Cole doing the call all night long. And then we learned Tom Phillips, Phillips. Tom Phillips, not Mel. Mel Phillips been gone for a very long time. We will... <laughs> I have a, I have a fucking, you know, I have Tourette's from when I was a ring jacket. Oh, I thought you were going to tell anyway, me you had a, you had some private stories about Mel Phillips. No, unfortunately I don't. Unfortunately. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, should I say fortunately or unfortunately? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Kevin Nash will have to figure that out for you. So <laughs> it, anyways, we do get Michael call all night. We learned Tom Phillips is no longer even an announcer on raw. He's been replaced by Adnan Sheik Al Casey jr. Or something like that. So Billy White Wolf. Yes, yes, absolutely, Billy White Wolf. Kayfabe nice. brother, kayfabe brother. So, <laughs> you see, wait a minute before you finish. Did you yeah. see pictures of him like oh. Flower Alley like a year ago? I'm exaggerating, but like several years ago. But the dude was like all tan. I don't think it was American Indian bullshit. He's not a legit Indian, is he? Adnan? No, yeah. he's 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 he's, he's, a, he's from Iraq. Or whatever, wherever the hell is Saddam? He grew up with Saddam. They were they were like best like, friends. He looked like Fat Joe, like uh, lean back. He was all slick. I'm sorry for the dated reference of the rap, <laughs> but he was all fucking like he looked better than all those dudes lined up against him. He looked like he was 27 years old hooking up with some fly girls. You know what I mean? Anyway, well, go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, he uh, he grew up over there with with Saddam as it was his buddy and whatnot, and he came over here and. Uh, you know, ended up, ended up doing the Native American gimmick, the old Indian, yeah, Billy White Wolf, and then eventually took on the uh, Adnan gimmick too with Vern and whatnot. But I did see that picture, or at least a picture you were you were mentioning. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, but it, it also yeah. reminded me of Luke. Did you see? Did you see when the Butchwhackers went to the Hall of Fame? Luke looked younger than he did when he was actually in the fucking WWF, and Butch looks like he's fucking 107. Yeah. But- <laughs> 
Yeah, Butch Butch needs to uh, not be on camera, but fucking, we keep going back to this subject, but I mean, one of them's a fucking, which one's the, really, I didn't know that, I, I, if oh, I had absolutely. to guess, if I had to one guess, cent. I think it's, who's, who's the one that looks bad, Butch, yeah, Luke is the toothless one or whatever, hey, yeah. and always in Tampa and shit, right, he's, He's as gay as the day is long, that fucking freak. Oh, but well, I love the never shit. Heard of <laughs> yeah, that's where it ended with me. Once they became the Bushwhackers, never a fan. So show goes on. It's the women's tag team title gauntlet match. If it had another name, I don't know what it was. The winning team will get a title shot on night two of WrestleMania. It's a lot of fucking makeshift teams that they've just thrown together recently. Lana, Naomi, Billy Kay, who's now gone, and Carmella. Uh, the Riot Squad, uh, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, who who fell on the way to the ringside. I don't know if you caught that. And then Natalia and Tamina. So five teams, and out of all the teams, Natalia and Tamina, the second. Well, Natalia's kind of a third generation t- in a in a way, I guess. Yeah, uh, superstar. And then Tamina, of course, the daughter of the Superfly Brava. So they pick up the win. They're going to fight Natty, or they're going to fight Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. In night two, the whole thing went about 14 minutes, but Tom, I don't know if you've ever seen Botchamania on YouTube where they, where they f- take all the, the botches from everything that goes on and they put them in, in videos every week or so or whatever. Uh, this, this match itself could be an entire episode of Botchamania. Just terrible. Completely whiffed. Lana whiffed on a kick at one point. I mean, it completely missed by two feet. I don't even know what she was swinging at. Like I said, Mandy Rose took a bump as she's coming down that ramp because everything was so wet. Uh, Orton even mocks that on the on the night two when Orton does his entrance, he tries to he tries to tries to slip on the ramp, making fun of Mandy Rose there. So, gotta love Orton. Um, he's still a little bit old school, even though he's going along with this shit. Go one by one with who these girls are again. So we got Lana and Naomi who got the ring entrance. They were in their glow. They were glowing on their way to the ring, oh, taking on this. That was the that was the first team. Yes, Lana, her husband's. Worried about Cornette's comments on fucking Twitter. He's working for another company. He got dumped. Lana, I do you remember that when The Rock, when Lana was actually kind of uh, like a hot yes. gimmick? Yes. It's a Russian fucking right. white Sharon Stone fucking thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that was breaking character or what, but The Rock had fucking Miro right there and he goes, You're actually fucking hot or something. He, he said something that I would say. Right. From my understanding, at least if I'm correct, she was one of the Alabama that Brent Musburger famously, the Alabama chicks like the, or Florida State chicks or some shit, Florida State, I believe, like the Furious Four or Five, just who was, as Dice Clay would say, that would just show up. One of them ended up marrying A.J. McCarron, who was the, uh, Alabama quarterback, but she was part of that too. So she's always been an attention whore. She's a TikTok fucking piece of shit whore. Did I say that? That was created in China, which <laughs> also created the coronavirus. But we don't want to get into side fucking shit. Um, Lana should be glad she's there because she's a terrible work. She's an online presence, so I'll give her that. And I I would think that Rusev is not the only one that's fucked her on WWE property. Let's just end it with that. Who's the next one? Naomi? Naomi. Naomi Judd. Um, 
I like her. They're, they had the Judds. They had number one songs, and they had uh, the fat one, Winona. Uh, no, you mean <laughs> Naomi with, with the Usos. Yeah, the Us. Naomi Us. You know, I don't have a bad word to say about Naomi. I want to, but I, I don't because she came think... in with. Go ahead. Give me no, a better you're, word. You're right. No, no, I have nothing bad to say about her. because I think her husband needs to learn the fucking word Uber. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, DUIs is something I certainly shouldn't bust on anybody for. Not that I have any or any. But any, anyway. Tom, Tom um, when you're making Uso money and you're hanging out with 50 other guys that are fucking have rides places, there's, there's just no, no fucking excuse, man. Somebody call my mama. <laughs> anyway, anybody, anybody can do it once, maybe twice. What has he done it now, like three times in fucking, you know, two or three years? Yeah, um, and he always... Like, there's video of him always, like, trying to... There's Samoan. There's a difference between Samoan and African-American. And he always tries to, like... like the, At least the two videos that I saw, like, cause a corruption with the cops. And they're just like, nah, buddy, you're just, you know... You're, you're just, just Samoan. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> she's hot. She came in with that, that other freaky one, and Tyrus. And uh, so I guess I can not bury her. Glad you're still employed, Naomi, and my number's available somewhere. All right. Who's the next one? Well, you got Billy Kay, who's no longer with the company. See, now she needs a job. And I have a connection. I, I'm in a union. So Billy Kay, who it was pointed out from my ex, but she kind of changed the narrative of this theory that she had, um, what's that, fatso surgery? <laughs> Liposuction. No, it's not liposuction. It's something else. Um, they gastro, shrink... bypass, gastro bypass or whatever? Yeah, now you're talking. Okay. My ex said that she might have that because she, if you look at old tapes of the Iconics, she always covered like, that area where she might have a scar. But I think she's disproved that because I think she's wearing tights. But, you know, they kind of like put her aside Australia is like the other side of the world, but they're somehow much like us Americans. Um, she's probably a whore. So, um, <laughs> well, how, do you, how do you think she got paid her way to fucking from Australia to the States? That's what I'm talking about. I mean, she's not Peyton Royce as far as looks go, and she's the iconic other one, and that was kind of cute with the pose and whatever, but um, she's got big tits to salvage. Uh, let's put her in impact. Let's put her in impact. Yeah, she feels like an impact kind of person there. And uh, her partner in this uh, fucking clusterfuck of uh, doom was uh, Carmella. Let's talk about Carmella. Well, She's that's... got that job guy father who did <laughs> right. a job on, a on a, WWE. On a superstars. <laughs> right. Um, and then they were on a uh, the Total Divas or something. Uh, she was still with Big Cass. Um Oh, I forgot about that. Big cast. Yeah, I forgot. And uh, she has now graduated to Corey Graves. <laughs> That's what you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't hate on him because I like Mark Madden and he he's friends. Uh, the Pittsburgh crew, I don't really hate because they're Pat McAfee and Corey and her and Mark Madden. but And they're all working, everybody. Not, I believe they're not assholes, but maybe I'll be proven wrong, but... Carmella has what I believe is a second boob job. 
So to me, I, you know, we're talking about misogyny and fucking terrible opinions about women, but it's, it's a shoot when everybody watches these fucking girls. They're not looking for the jumping bomb angels. They're looking for those tits. Carmel is looking pretty fucking good these days with the double whammy uh, titty job. But, you know, she's not a worker like Sasha or Charlotte or whatever. So she's just hanging around be eye candy. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. That she was away for a while and they brought her back and almost looked like they were going to try to give her a real push. And then they realized after about a month, oh, wait, you, we forgot you can't work. So we can only go so far with you. And it's back down to the bottom. Here for Carmel, yeah, at least, at, least at this point. I forgot to finish that, whatever reality show that was. Her father was pitching him ma- managing them together or some shit. Her father's like me, a disgruntled old fuck, gray-haired indie dick. But these, this new town is, is you know, they don't want to hear that. Uh, team number three comes out. It's the Riot Squad, old uh, fucking Toucan Sam and, and Liv Morgan. <laughs> You're such a dick. You're like... <laughs> Other people. Now, I imagine you're talking about Ruby Riot. Yeah, sure. See, you're a schoolyard bully, aren't you, Ray? <laughs> That's, hey, man, a spade is a spade. <laughs> Let me tell you what my brother told me the other day about Ruby Riot in a text. We were texting back and forth night one and night two of WrestleMania. More so night two, but he told me on night two when Nia Jax, that whole tag team group came out, Tamita, Natalia, who from the neck down, nice, but I can't stand looking at her in her fucking face. And, and Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, my brother's like, why did they pick the four ugliest women to fucking headline, you know, headline the tag match? Oh, wait, never mind. Besides Ruby Riot, he said. And then he goes on to tell me, he goes, you know, my wife, and I believe this about, about my sister-in-law, my wife has something nice to say about every girl that comes out on wrestling, no matter how ugly they are. But even with Ruby Riot, she was like, ugh. <laughs> so I mean, wow. what can you say? Yeah, I have um, some people in my life that have shared that same opinion. Me, because (laughs) I can't help but pop at the Toucan Sam thing. But um, I want to, like, Dave Prezak was an old acquaintance, the Shimmer guy. And, you know, he used her and abused her. No, Um, he used a lot of these people we're talking about. And. She's just a hard-working girl who got tattoos, and I don't know. I like I'd rather bury like Kevin Nash because he thinks he's cool. Ruby Riot is like I think an overachiever as far as attractiveness and stuff like that. For whatever, but let's move on. Who's her partner? <laughs> Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Well, you've already said what you had to say about Liv Morgan earlier. Uh, some of the things you've heard about her, anyway. Yeah, Enzo was like had her and. I mean, she brought the she brought her mother to like a total Bella's fucking thing. Something I watched, I don't know. And her mother, like I I lived in Jersey, and her mother was like a white trash Jersey chick. Like the Bellas, like were waiting at the plane, and they were expecting like this fucking glamorous Liv Morgan old head coming off, and it was like a chick with three teeth. It was like <laughs> Liv Morgan's mom was awful. So. Buyer beware. Who's who's hitting that now? Bo, Bo Dallas. Dallas. Bo, leave it. <laughs> Bo, listen. <laughs> they always end up looking like mom. That's all I got to say about Liv Morgan. Well, that's what I said. Bo, comma, leave it. Gotcha. 
Uh, so at this point in the match, there's only there's only two of the four oh matches in. Oh my god! I apologize. What? Doubly now. What? I just got what you said. Oh, okay. Sometimes it takes <laughs> me to re-listen. Believe, believe it. Yes. My bad. <laughs> You're totally cool, bro. So we're like halfway through this fucking dumpster fire of a match, and I got to talk about these bras before we get the real stuff. Yeah, well, I'm talking about them. I'm getting to the next two chicks now. But I'm just right. pointing out my note here that I wrote in the notes that did all of these girls fucking forget how to wrestle all at the same time? It, it was like a throwback to watching the Divas at this point. Everything was, was terrible. terrible. It was everything. It was- this whole fucking entire match. And then Tyson Kidd, like an idiot, goes online and, and fucking announces that he put this match together. I would he, never take he, claim for this shit. He was the producer with his fucking... You remember the Brady Bunch when uh, Robert Reed, who was sucking dick <laughs> on the side and died of AIDS? <laughs> he sure did. Um, Mr. fucking Brady um, had his uh, court case, <laughs> in the, the famous episode where they threw the, the briefcase in the court and the guy who had the neck brace turned around. I wonder if uh, Tyson Kidd's neck gimmick was like legit. I think he would turn around when he had his neck fucking thing on. But anyway, go ahead. Interesting. So the next team out is the duo of Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Oh, yeah. Well, Mandy, that's when she took a dump on the floor. I'm I'm mixing what I'm about to say, but <laughs> Mandy took a bump on the floor on the thing, right? On the entrance? Yeah, right. Well, I can't. What do you say, Ray? Before I get into Dana Brooke, destroy. Sure. Um, but. <laughs> What do you say about Mandy? Because I think she took the gimmick that um, Tennille Dashwood kind of wasn't comfortable with, the this hot chick and all that. And I see her, but I've never met her in person. And sometimes it looks like she has a perfect body, but sometimes it looks like she's doing too many squats. And she's if you've seen her in person, she probably couldn't fit in jeans and et cetera. Am I going too far into this? I don't know. You know, it doesn't do much for me. I see that 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 Emelina slash Eva Marie comparison though with her gimmick, or at least uh, what it, what used to be her gimmick. I don't really know what the fuck they're doing with it right now. It's just never done anything for me. Yeah, it's weird. I I want to see her in person just so I can give an evaluation of. As I said, none of them that we're talking about are the jumping bomb angels. There's not uh, an athletic no. bone in their body. <laughs> Anyway, I could finish that line from Cornette or whatever. But um, anyway, enough of Mandy. I'll go to Dana Brooke. The fucking Muda fucking. That's her only move. She does the Muda fucking handspring fucking flying smelly asshole. <laughs> um, the reason I referenced it as that is because I watch all these stupid shows late at night when I can't go to sleep like table for three or ride along or whatever she was riding with titus o'neill and apollo creed i was in creed one and two as an extra by the way that's why i said that no apollo cruz and just a bunch of black guys i i was hoping they'd turn around and fucking hammer the shit out of her but they didn't. <laughs> they may they, they may have off camera probably so but she made them stop like three times and she was drinking protein shakes and shit I've been into myself a little bit as far as, you know, trying to lift and feel better and look better or whatever. 
and I drank protein shakes, but it never made me have to take a shit every two minutes. <laughs> so that, now that you mention it, maybe she was evacuating some other other things. <laughs> from ooh, a little oh, a little leakage. Yeah, <laughs> may have been the situation. But yeah, she had to stop at like random Burger Kings. Could you imagine like? You know, a chick with big fake tits running in and fucking big fake lips and all that shit she has going on, just fucking tearing up your shit like dumb and dumber, <laughs> like Jeff Daniels. Like, so I, I forever will not be a, um, <laughs> unless she turns into like, you know, Chagusa, say the name right, Chagusa Nagaya or fucking Linus. Close enough. Asuka, yeah, there you go. Whatever names were. I, I can never be a fan. But anyway. Enough of her shitting, shitty ass. <laughs> those were the, those were not the bomb angels, but they are Japanese girl names. So very good. <laughs> uh, as we get ready for the final team here, it was kind of funny. Uh, the Riot Squad actually won that match with Mandy and Dana, but the ring announcer announces the wrong team is the winner and has to make the correction. One of many fuck ups of the night between the ring announcer Michael Cole and. Everything else going awry, but the final two out are Tamina and Natalia. Can't wait for your take on that. Yeah, I uh, Natalia, I think she's. Mm, this is not the wrestling business. This is the Tom Robinson business. Two paws can fucking eat my dick. You fucking dummy. You big cheek fucking night heart. Actually, your <laughs> father. Your fucking father. You dumb bitch. He broke my camera when I was 15. Now, I did make up with him when I was on an independent show with Sabu and him, and we drove back from Jersey, and it was all good. And he was a good man. God rest his soul. Jim the Anvil. But you and your little fucking uh, sharpshooter and your step on somebody's head when you go to a rope and your two paws and your fucking enough of you already. And your same fucking promo for the past 10 fucking years. Yeah, you've always been held back, and you're right, ready for the main event. You don't draw nothing. You draw fucking pictures, you dope. Go to Stampede. Is Stampede still around? No, it isn't. <laughs> oh, I hate you, Natty. You fuck. I bet that fucking little portly body, which, you know, my black friends, and I do have black friends, despite what you might think. They'll be like, that Natalie John, she hot. Because they like the thick Johns. Well, if you want to be a thick John, go ahead and make your money and con the fucking world, but you're not the best wrestler, and you need to step down. Who else is there? Tamina? Tamina. Uh, Tamina's probably pretty cool. Um, I'd like to bust on her. I mean, her old man. Is, <laughs> I was on like three or four independent shows with her old man, and I was uh, fortunate enough. For a mark like me, and a, I mean, I think you would enjoy this too, Ray. Get a headbutt from Superfly Snuka. I mean, without knowing the backstories and stuff. Right. That was one of my like favorite things in the world that ever happened. Maybe I have a limited sheltered life or whatever, but no, uh, I get it, man. I was, I, you know, I, I marked out when I got to take a shot from Harley Race. So, oh my God, that's even a higher step. Good for you. But mine didn't hurt. I bet Harley's hurt a little bit. Well, he left that fucking ring imprint on my forehead, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, Tamina, I, I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't. 
bust on her for right now because all the shit that she's had to deal with. Um, but I do understand, like Chris Rock said about OJ, in the situation that Superfly was in, in Allentown or wherever the fuck, Hershey, where, what was it, Hamburg? Where was it? They were coming back from somewhere. I think they were going to TV. I don't remember. Something like that. You got, a, you got a coked up fucking ring rat when you got a wife in another state. Yeah. And the ring rat wants to start hitting you and getting your face. And I can't do a Chris Rock impression at this hour, but <laughs> I don't condone it, but I understand. <laughs> I got nothing, man. I, you know, that story's been out there for fucking ever, and Chris Cruz goes on a tirade on Facebook and shit about it. He was really laying into it when um, they tried to prosecute Snooker there, you know, shortly before he passed away, and Chris Cruz yes. was really laying into him, just uh, just making him as, into the uh, worst human being of all time, and, I, you know, I don't know the fucking story, the backstory behind it or whatever, but I hate to take this out of context, because this is where people get pissed off, but Honky Tonk, or HT, there was this guy named HTM, and he... He did a shoot interview one time shortly after the Chris Benoit incident. And I don't want to go deep into all that shit because I do. Kill- I want you to go. Well, not right now, but I mean, killing the kid and shit. Uh, no, no, like, no, like I could fucking, you know, for days fucking just go off. But honky or excuse me, HTM said, and he didn't mean it. And you, you know him. He doesn't mean shit in a derogative way. He just says shit bluntly. He just puts it bluntly. And he said, uh-huh. I knew Nancy. I could see Nancy provoking somebody to want to fucking kill her. But, you know, then he went on to say, but not the kid and yada, yada, yada. I get what he was saying when he said that. And again, like you just said, I'm not saying it's right or it was even intentional. But when somebody's coming at you, man, you're going to, you know, especially when you're, you know, fucking in, defense. <laughs> yeah, in, defense. inebriated and whatever and shit. I, I you know, I, the, the story is. didn't have to do the fucking doomsday device on the side of the road when they were right. trying to figure out what to do. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, actually, it was I mean, uh, it was Tonga Kid. <laughs> I get my facts all fucked up, but um, yeah, what um, HTM said is kind of a shoot. Like, there's nobody in the world that can push your buttons like a male, and especially when they start fucking gouging your eyes and slapping at you and stuff. Not that I've been there, um, but anyway, <laughs> not um, that you're speaking it, from experience or anything, Tom. It's insanity and. You're trying to just literally diffuse the situation, but they're still like coming at you like and as Hockey said, he mentioned Nancy and I met her a few times. I don't know her by any means. Right. But she had a past relationship with one Kevin Sullivan. Sure. And sure. there were when they like looked at the fucking police reports and shit of that relationship, there were a lot of times that physicality was involved in that relationship and i think kevin's a sweetheart i never slept with him i never was you know his road dog or whatever but you know if there's physicality with every relationship you've been in i wouldn't necessarily fly home to kill you but but then he killed the kid as you said so we're not endorsing chris benoit no no definitely not this is not a defense of all the scumbag motherfuckers that hit women out there. Right. Fuck you guys. I'll fucking fight every one of you that defends hitting women. But I will also defend people that defend themselves as long as they don't go overboard. They both went too far. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we'll uh we'll move on <laughs> from that topic and 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit, just real briefly, uh, a couple of these matches we'll run through. Cesaro and Seth Rollins, the entire story there was Seth Rollins hated getting the Cesaro swing. And, of course, he winds up getting the Cesaro swing here. Fans can't really count. They count to 23. It was actually 19. I know I went back and counted like an asshole. Um, wanted to see if Dave Meltzer was right. He said 19, so I want to go back and check. Okay, you're a fact checker. Um, interesting scenario here. Uh, Cesaro, I'm sure we both agree, is a great worker. Absolutely. Uh, Seth, with his weird change of gimmick all the time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know his people, but, you know, the meat and potatoes of the situation is he can work too. And as a guy who's like took front bumps, back bumps, not much more, I'm not going to over exaggerate who I am or what I did, but I could not. And I, I share this question with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even shrink wrap a fucking pallet three times without fucking passing out on my truck in my shoot life. Could you imagine being swung around 19 times? I've never been in that predicament, so I couldn't tell you. Don't know. Dude, I'm a dizzy motherfucker. Not to be confused with Brutus Beefcake. Anyway. Yeah, I can't. No. Oh, my God. Talk about fucking pulling some shit out. But no, See, no I'm with ready. you, dude. I mean, growing up, man, I, I love the old spinning rides at the, at the amusement parks and things, and I just can't do it anymore. So. No. It takes a sp- Well, look at Cesaro's true. the one giving it. So, I mean, he's the one doing it every fucking time. So, uh, kudos to yeah, him, but- yeah, but I, I had heard that uh, Becky, when she was the man, and Seth and Cesaro always rode together and stuff. So this is a long time coming for him. I'll I'll go out there. I don't mean to make this show fucking seven hours long, but <laughs> I was never that impressed with fucking Okada, truthfully. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, whoever the fuck. But... I do acknowledge he was a great worker, is a great worker or whatever, but he's the same size as Cesaro, the same height. Cesaro does the drop kick if somebody's on the apron or, or on the uh, top rope, rather. If Cesaro's in that match with Kenny Omega or in those three matches, yeah. what can't Cesaro do in the same situation? Well, that's a damn good question. He could do pretty much anything. I think he's already proven that. It's just uh, he's been in the wrong place for a very long time. Yeah, well, maybe that's the issue, but I mean, when we're talking six-star matches, uh, I believe if Cesaro was in that situation, any any of the great matches in the, in the history of wrestling, Flair Steamboat, if he was one of those two, he has the ability. Yes. Does not have the speaking. Well, neither did Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> true, true. Look at Steamboat with... Uh, Lacey Von Erich, I got a plug again at WrestleCon, asking him if he was the guy behind the Cleveland Steamer. You know, I got to go back to just really quick a, a promo from Steamboat in '89 when he was going to the Clash to work Terry Funk. They did a uh, an angle where Funk came out and cut a promo shitting on Steamboat's family. You know, called eh, maybe he didn't use these words, but basically called Bonnie Bonnie Steamboat called her a whore and called his kid a. Oh, she was. Well, she yeah. Go ahead. She, yeah. Um, I've touched on that quite a bit <laughs> on the grenade show, but, um, okay. he basically comes on, he calls Bonnie a whore and calls the kid a little bastard and this, that, and the other. And here comes Ricky Steamboat out to defend his family's honor. And the first thing out of his mouth in the promo to Terry Funk after Funk just totally shit all over his kid and his wife, Steamboat comes out and says, I'm sorry to interrupt your interview time, 
but I don't like, you know, I don't like what you're saying about my family. Like, holy fuck, you're a gentleman, even when the dude's ripping your family apart. It's it's just classic Ricky Steamboat. I'm sorry you know, to interrupt your interview time. No, I mean, have you been around him socially? Couple times. Same fucking way. He's like, yeah, probably uh, off the top of my head, the coolest motherfucker. Like, like if you say I'm a big fan, Ricky, my name's Ray, and you shake his hand, and then you sit and have a conversation. Fifteen minutes later. He will like run into Finley or something. Be like, "Hey, Dave, this is Ray." He always remembers your name and refers to you by the first name, which I can't do. I don't even do that in regular life with like no. bar shit. All yeah, that. I can. Yeah, I can't do it. It's Ricky Steamboat, and you know what? I, I, I might have not said this if I said this before. I apologize, but I think I kept this to myself. The famous myself, Tom Robinson, going to the a TV bar when Ric Flair was the only talent that was in the bar. And we had a little uh, back and forth. One thing I think I omitted was he looked at me and said, winked in my winked at me and said, Steamboat was way better than Shawn Michaels. Just well, saying. Well, that's, that's a, uh, it's different eras. I mean, not really different eras, but just a step, uh, step in between. Um, as far as a guy telling me that worked with both of them before he told me conversation over. Right. Uh, before we had the heat, when we were friendly, he put over Steamboat. So, all right, well, where the hell does this? Uh, Cesaro, the, Steamboat, Okada. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere in between there. But, uh, yeah, Cesaro beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. That's that's the end story well, I, here. I was happy. That. Yes, Cesaro, Cesaro got a win. Wish they gave the guys a little more time, but I did like Rollins busting out all these other finishers he tried. He, he hit the pedigree at one point, and I go, oh, yeah, he did do that for a little bit when they had to get away from mm-hmm. the stomp. They did that cool spot there, too, in the match where he was going for the stomp, and they did it in, into the uppercut. It wasn't as good as the RKO one, but still pretty cool. Yeah, it was badass. We get a new day, the tag team champions, I think, on Raw. Taking on, yeah, AJ Styles and his bodyguard, the seven-foot-whatever Amos. And this match was, and everybody's already said this, so I know I'm going to sound like I'm fucking copying every other human being on Earth. But it is what it is. I wrote it right here in my notes as I was watching it, or right after the show ended anyway. This match was booked completely ass-backwards. The New Day were getting heat on AJ Styles until he makes the hot tag to Amos, who comes in and clears house. And picks up the win. It was, it was, it felt, tell me I'm wrong, Tom. It felt like a fucking Andre the Giant match, the one where we would come in and team with somebody to help them get revenge and, you know, beat, you know, beat the guys up at the end and get the win or whatever. It just felt like a fucking paint by numbers Andre match to close out a garden show or another territory or whatever. Even Mid South when he would be with Junkyard Dog or something. Right. But yeah, um, I did actually kind of watch that one and uh, like, you know, I gotta, I gotta be honest from my vantage point as gorilla would say without Big E, the new day, those two are just kind of like, uh, Kofi's still hanging around and there's a video game guy there. This is a revelation. I hate AJ Styles. I think he's fucking awful. That's gonna, that's gonna, that might be the clip of the night or whatever, but (laughs) He he cannot fucking speak, and he's five foot ten. 
Case closed. Great. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember I'm standing not... next to AJ. He was going out at a show. That was backstage. This is way. This is uh, early inception TNA. So you're talking probably O two. I want to know. Well, I was, no, I was probably a little further into it. I'm going to go with O four. O four. And um, they start announcing him. And AJ was smaller then than he is now. And they announced him yeah. like he. And I'm standing right next to him because we were just having a conversation. He's a nice guy. And they announced weighing in at 220 pounds. And he looks at me. He goes work, <laughs> you know, for his for his weight right. even back then. But I agree with you. AJ's not a great promo guy, but I think he's really really good in the ring. No, you know. I can't take that away from him. Um, I was actually in his corner coming up. What? Why isn't this guy, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then he got the kid, not kid, the guy from Georgia that was the talent agent, who's a nice guy, really good guy. Bill, you with me? Barons? Bill, is it Bill Aarons? Barons, I said. I'm not sure. Bill Barons. Bill yeah. Barons. Right. Took over his bookings and got him a lot of fucking shit with New Japan and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, AJ finally gets his due. I'm happy. But don't get crazy, AJ. You're just, unless you improve your fucking talking and you're like, I see Cameron Grimes, who I'm not that big a fan of either, but I see him working the fucking NXT and Cameron Grimes can do the southern fucking whack jerk off fucking thing <laughs> and it's okay aj tries it every week on whatever he's the worst promo in my opinion for a pushed guy i've ever seen which is probably why vince doesn't keep him elevated higher than where he's at right now yeah i mean if you want to just go workers you know push him but aj's uh, I'll give you a story, and I don't want to heat. I won't mention who I was with. Um, I'll tell you when we're done. I was with somebody who was younger than me, and we were at Denny's on a random, like, Thursday or Wednesday or something. And Chris Daniels, AJ Styles, and Austin Aries come into the Denny's. And I go, holy shit, honey. And she knew, she knew my wrestling stuff. And I said, I have no idea where these guys were or came from or whatever, but they're not in WWE or whatever, but they're they're good wrestlers. And she goes, really? They're kind of small. And I says, I know that, but they're really good wrestlers. And I said, do you want me to go, you know, schmoz with them and, you know, whatever? And she goes, no, they're not <laughs> ever going to be anything. They're They're just so little. They're like regular people. Uh, you know, it is what it is, but Edward James almost, and I fucking don't know if I said that on episode two or three, but I heard it on Cornette. Motherfucker, Brian Last, we either think alike or you heard it. <laughs> That's it about that. I don't care about that. <laughs> Intriguing. I don't even know where the fuck we were. Oh yeah, I, Hamos. Right. I okay. Right. Names too, so I hate Elijah Woods or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> uh, new day. So yeah, they lose the belt for the 412th time, so they should be champions again within the next three weeks. If yeah. It's up to Vince. 
So we move on with the show, and it's uh, it's time for that big cage match, the uh, revenge match. Shane McMahon taking on gigantic Braun Strowman inside a steel cage. Braun's so angry, looking for a revenge. I have not seen someone this angry for revenge in a cage match since Greg Gagne and Bruiser Brody. I'm Greg Gagne, and I'm in a rage. I want Brody, and I want him in a cage. I'm flying dropkicks for making him see double. I've grinded him up at the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Woo! Somebody should tell Gregory... That when you're fucking in a rage, you don't finish the sentence with "woo" unless you're Ric Flair. Anyway, that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I sat back and clapped. I don't know if you could hear, hear the audience. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So, so awesome. the entire story here is that the little Shane McMahon is the bully to the big giant monster who is apparently stupid, and so Braun is dedicating this match to all these stupid people. Well, all the people that are called stupid <laughs> out there in the world. Dummies. They're stupid. Yeah. Dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. Perfect soundbite for this entire match. So Shane doesn't even well, let Braun. Before you review it. <laughs> yes. I mean, who's really stupid? Did Braun Strowman ever like fall off like seven stories or whatever fuck Shane does? No. At his size, he'd probably he, be crippled. That might be a, a, a point of debate, but continue on. You know, people you. put Shane over, oh, he's a billionaire. He doesn't have to do this. He shouldn't be doing it. You're a fucking billionaire. What are you fucking doing? Jumping off of shit that I repeatedly. I mean, you did it. Okay, you did it. I mean, we, if, if he had never done it again after he got Kurt Angle, threw him through those fucking plate glass windows that wouldn't fucking break. And then fucking, yeah. you know, the first time or two, he fell off of something or jumped off of something. I remember there was a big giant bump he took from a Steve Blackman spot, and I think he jumped off of something and did an elbow. If he had just done those and left it alone, that would have been fine. Instead, he's trying to recreate the Foley bump and whatever other horse shit, and it's just Man no. Damnator. And I think Shane's got to be in his 50s by now, I think. Yeah, he's, my, he's like my age, and I'm 51. He's like 51 or 52. But um, I shouldn't be saying this, but my friend who I opened for, Reverend Bob Levy from Howard Stern fame, was part of Shane McMahon's bachelor party. It was Jim Norton from Opie and Anthony fame and Bob Levy. And Shane and some of that, what, what was that, the guys that end up working? The Mean Street Posse? Yes. It was some of them. I mean, it, like it was his real friends and them and, you know, maybe some of them. I don't know who exactly was there. but uh, I'm sure it was Pete Gass, Rodney, and Willie Green who never made it to TV. Well... Yeah, it was like a, a bunch of them, and like to Shane's credit, he was being out there and whatever. But let's just say there was more coke there than a Richard Pryor concert. I have wow, that's that's a lot, but I I have no doubt. Good I don't them. know who did it. I don't know when it was done, but I just know there was a big pile of fucking coke. Well, hopefully they did it all night long. It's only <laughs> you only get one Maybe bachelor party. Did it? I don't know. <laughs> Hey, man, he married into another Fortune family, the uh, Mazzola family, the Mazzola oil family, Marissa Mazzola. Why can't I get that lucky? Yeah, tell me, tell me about it. Well, I'm sure, you know, rich marries rich there. So wealthy marries wealthy, I should say. Yeah. So there was this fucking cage match anyway. It was a, it was a nothing match because the only thing the cage was used for was a prop. Uh, Shane ripped some paneling off the top. Braun ripped part of the... The chain link down to pull Shane back inside. I should point out before the match started, Elias and, and Jackson Riker attacked Braun, injured his leg on the outside of the ring, so that Shane at least had a reason to get in some offense early on. But eventually it's Braun killing Shane. Like you said, Shane takes 
that uh, somersault dive off the top of the cage into the ring. It looked yeah, rough. What was it? Was it like a hip toss front bump off the top? Yeah, it was just a forward rolling bump off the top of the cage. That, 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 that's that, fucked up, too. I mean, that looked like, rough, it's man. It's kind of like half looking, but I don't know how to compare bumps, but like taking the back bump like that is what did he take it from the top? Yeah, top of the cage. Just took it. He didn't jump. Uh, he just kind of, yeah, just somersaulted into the ring. And it wasn't in the middle, you know, it was over to the side a little. But he just got stop. Stop yeah. with that. He's going to kill himself. There, there's no fucking reason for it. Yeah. And that was that was what was killing me the entire pre-show. They're so what's he gonna jump off of? It's a fucking cage match. He's jumping off the fucking cage because if he's jumping off anything else, that means he's already escaped the cage and the match is over, asshole. So quit right. selling me on what's he jumping off of around here. He's not jumping off a fucking pirate ship. It's a fucking cage match. And of course, he gets thrown off the top and the power slam, boom, Braun Strowman gets the win, and then he starts yelling, I did it for all the stupid people. Well, something like that. And I felt <laughs> I felt connected. I went to my local clergy and I said, you know, seven um, Our Fathers, seven Hail Marys, but I kept the extra digits, which I can't add up mathematically right now, <laughs> to Braun Strowman for us stupid people. Very good. Very good. I feel so validated, so cancel I... culture, all you activists on Twitter. <laughs> I feel that Braun Strowman advanced me. So. If you don't agree with me, if I post it or whatever, go back and look at the match. Share our podcast, WrestleCopia.com, and <laughs> listen to, in context, how great I feel from that lesson I learned about stupidity. Now it's just, uh, let's see what Braun does with it moving forward, is the question. Just watch his dad hitting home runs and fucking softball. <laughs> softball, I love that's so dummy fuck. Uh, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> so the semi main of the night is uh, Miz and Morrison taking on Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. The story going into this or the backstage story, I should say, is Priest has a bad back and Morrison had some lingering issues, too. So they originally announced this as Priest versus Miz one on one with these guys in the corner because they didn't know if these guys could go. But I guess it was really Priest they were concerned about. He has a bad back. But which explains why he really doesn't do anything in the entire match to the hot tag. More importantly, do you remember when Melina, that sexy fucking now a little overweight so she might be in my league, um, big titted stretching fucking, uh, what did she do in the ring? Uh, the split? splits? Yeah, the splits. Yeah, fuck Batista behind everybody's back. And everyone Dirty else too. Mexican whore. Um <laughs> She posted when they broke up Johnny Drip Drip's fucking prescription for Cialis or Viagra or something. More important than WrestleMania. This is real shit. Just saying. Continue. <laughs> oh, well, John Morrison sounds like he can take a lesson from all these bunnies as they uh, fucking head to their way to, to the ring. They uh, procreate on the way out. There's about 100 bunnies bouncing around the ring. And at this point, I know it's. Yeah. Yeah. The ring is covered in wet footprints from all these bunnies hopping around. I wonder if it was everybody that, that couldn't make the show. I wonder if there was like a, a fucking Otis bunny and a, a fucking whatever bunny. I don't even know who the hell wasn't on this show. Fuck it. <laughs> That's how they got their WrestleMania payday. I was well, bunny, no, I mean, bunny number they, 17. They, they needed to not have an alley butcher and a blade bunny. Because... I would have I taken that bunny. 
Oh, me too. In Buffalo, I would. <laughs> oh, come on, man! Any of the steel, any of the steel cities—Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Cleveland. Here, from fucking Cleveland. So right. Buffalo Ten is a Cleveland Ten too, I guess. <laughs> Just saying. So, <laughs> the bunnies arrive, which bring out Morrison and Miz, and then Damien, or not Damien Priest, but Bad Bunny arrives on a semi truck, which is actually originally rumored that Becky Lynch was going to return in a semi truck, but instead it's bad bunny. And, uh, yeah, so we have a match and bad bunny did quite okay. I thought. Yeah. I mean, you take a guy that he probably grew up on Carlos. I mean, did he grow up in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, man, I hate to mix up the fucking countries and shit, Puerto Rico, and Mexico. I'm not really sure. I guess he's Puerto Rican. I don't, I don't remember him yeah, being from Mexico. He's definitely Puerto Rican. He's, okay. you know, you know, I, I don't have any problem with him uh, doing what he did because I used to have a problem with some celebrities coming in, but oh yeah, he's a fucking fan like us, and he happened to kill it on something else, and I never fucking he 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 sung songs with J Lo or rapped with J Lo or something, right? So I had he's... never heard of his name until they announced him uh, for that Booker T song. I had never even heard his name up until that point. And then boom, all of a sudden he's winning Grammys and he's on SNL and he's doing this. And I go, what? I didn't even know this guy until he fucking sang this Booker T shit. And all of a sudden now he's like, he's everywhere. He's just, he's exploded, which apparently, you know, I don't keep up with all this shit now, Tom, but Me apparently, neither. apparently everybody else kind of knew a little bit about him or whatever. So he's a big deal. And you know, if you hear the stories, he shut down his touring and, and his music and everything. Yes. To go spend months training for this match. And Randy Orton even put him over, and he don't put anybody over. He... And yeah, and that's what another thing you hear, that he was very respectful to the business and the wrestlers, and he treated them, you know, not like most of the other celebrities that come in. And I know a lot of the, the fans out there, the, the modern-day fans, were probably popping at the dive he did to the floor or some of the other fucking fancy footwork bullshit. But you know when I popped and I marked out and I was sold on the guy for the night? When he I did can the... probably tell you. Okay, let me hear. The waist lock. No. He did a waist okay. lock? I don't know. No. Um, okay. The Lamahi straw cradle. Uh, oh, right on. Right on. He, he didn't just do it. He didn't go into it like a lucha, like a big spinning fast thing into a fucking right. you know, roll up. He separated each part, which, you know, whoever was training him, I think it was Adam Pierce, and I don't remember who the other guy was. Whoever was training him had to have told him to compartmentalize. How about that for a word? Like each step of the move, so you don't fuck it up. And he did that, and and I give yeah. him credit for that. That's a and, big stage. You can't have a second take when you try to do something like that. And that's my point. Like with that adrenaline, and you've never actually done this. You haven't wrestled before. You can easily right. fuck up. You know what I mean? And I, fuck up. yeah, when you have wrestled before, so yeah, much much respect. So I heard Cornette shitting all over it. You know, obviously because he's. A oh, I didn't hear that yet. Yeah, I listened to it earlier today. Actually, I was I wanted his t I was curious his take on some of these matches, and um, I was a little upset because sometimes Corny just gets in his way, and it, it, it um, it's just like he already has his mind made up before he sees it, and he was just questioning why a 145 pound celebrity is beating up wrestlers. So he's still looking at it from Jimmy that Cornette. protection of the wrestlers. So I don't mean to sound like fucking Kenny Bowen, but <laughs> you need to fucking own up to this and. Give the man his props. And it's pissy talking to you. <laughs> this is a shoot. Hit me up whenever you want, motherfucker. 
Because I'll take you out of that fucking post office that you're all going to <laughs> and fucking your little hybrid fucking uh, Cornette's castle and all that shit you do alone. You need to come out with your big ass mouth and I'll be here. Molly kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure somebody's going to cut an excerpt out and only play the part before you say I'm only kidding. That'll, that'll be cool because that'll give us some fucking hype. So uh, near the finish of the match, though, the bunny busts or bad bunny <laughs> busts out the Canadian destroyer on the floor on Morrison. So uh, even Michael Cole on commentary, because he's a complete buffoon, asks, what was that? To which Booker responds, the uh, the bunny destroyer. Tell me he didn't just say that. He sure did. And that took Morrison out. And of course, that was all Morrison doing the spot. But yeah, it was it was still cool that. The crowd popped for it, and I'm sure that was the big takeaway from the average fan of when they were impressed with Bunny, even though it was really Morrison doing the backflip. I need to get to the important things about Morrison and Miz and Bad Bunny and all them. Let's do it. Taya Valkyrie, a.k.a. Frankie Monet, Mm -hmm. put on a lot of pounds in impact. She's like six foot, 280, but the earlier referenced Melina posting his erectile dysfunction as a man i know once you have a little bit of a problem when you get up there in age not that morrison is but he's into his parkour more than he's into his penis <laughs> um unfortunately for a molina who's mexican has a high sex drive and yes i said it taya is into his road stories and gets hard and just blows him and gets eaten out and she's fine so they're good well, whatever works. I guess they found something good. <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with Bad Bunny or The Miz. I don't but... either. <laughs> I did now, see Marie. Bad Bunny did good, and if if I can if I can talk a little bit um, further away from the microphone, preferably. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> the Miz. Uh, I don't want to put him up there as a legendary uh, person or anything, but he. He definitely led Bad Bunny, and but he's a smart kid, still a smart man. He has more money than both of us probably will ever make. Miz was the MVP of that performance of Bad Bunny because he was always in the right place at the right time. I mean, you could even, if you watch it, see him calling uh, Bad Bunny to do certain things. So good for you, Miz. Morrison is a weird haired now i don't know why he has his hair like that yeah i don't know what that was uh you know everybody dolls themselves up for wrestlemania for lack of a better term that was morrison's way of doing it i suppose yeah um but we got those two together who are somewhat entertaining i mean uh, it'll get old if it's every week but once in a while they're kind of cool and you got punisher martinez aka luis martinez I don't know if it's still available, but if you search, and I always mention this, and and I have no relationship with uh, Danny Cage at this point, but he's responsible for Riddle. I think they flew him into WrestleMania. Uh, He's the Monster Factory's new owner or whatever, after Larry Sharp. Um, He's responsible sort of for Riddle, um, Damian Priest, Nick Camarado is in AEW. Probably some people I'm forgetting, but Punisher Martinez, Luis, he was a strip joint manager. 
who wrestled on the indies. He's like 40 years old, and nobody took him. He went to so many tryouts, and they just kept turning him away. Like, if you look at Keith Lee's story, they turned him away three, four times before he got signed or whatever. And Luis Martinez, a.k.a. Damian Priest, has improved his worker and now looks like he should be there. So I have nothing but positive vibes for this for this match. I can't shit on anybody. Yeah, no, it was uh, perfectly fine. I didn't really care for the finish. It wasn't nothing wrong with it. It's just the the move was kind of lame. It was like a, a doomsday device type thing with Bunny coming off of a crossbody on the Miz. They got the win. Match went 15 minutes. And uh, remember, Mar- Marty and Sean's finish. Sort of. I've never seen Marty and Sean do that. Fucking. Not that. Not that <laughs> way, but come on. I'm just trying to be nice to people. I, that just, are- I mean, you, you just did a Canadian Destroyer right before that, so maybe maybe switch shit around. Maybe fucking hit Miz. Maybe Miz can't take a Canadian Destroyer. I don't know. That could very well I, could be it. I wouldn't. But anyway. So anyway, it's not bad for a celebrity match, and it went 15 minutes, and like I said, Priest only came in really on the hot tag, so that was a lot of uh, fucking bad bunny in there, but yeah, definitely definitely kudos to Miz and Morrison, who carried the entire match, and were in the right place at the right time, so good job. Yes, sir. And that'll take us to the main event of night one, which was Sasha Banks, the SmackDown champion, taking on Bianca Belair. Oh, my God. And I knew, I knew, you know, I was listening you know, you, you turned me on to the uh, the Stone Cold, the uh, fucking WWE Broken Network, skull. the Broken Skull, yes. And uh, I knew there was a reason. I was a fan of uh, Sasha Banks. And then I was as I was listening to the uh, the show, she uh, said something. Something went like this. I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Oh, my God. I got to pull. Never mind. I'll still. <laughs> I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Just Wait. <laughs> Sasha, you were Mercedes Vernado or whatever the fuck you were, and you have this uh, gear-making person in the back that you're married to, allegedly, <laughs> and you've always, there's been rumors about you and Kalisto, but can you tell me that again? I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. Wow. Yeah. Woo! So, well, you know, you know what? Kalisto's on his way out of the business, uh, company now, so she's going to find it. That's probably why she... <laughs> Couldn't find three of his friends. Lucha house party, baby. <laughs> new, oh, mean, boy, new, new meaning to the word Lucha house party for sure. I would not let you guys in until I was done eating. Anyway, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you one bit, man. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, there was uh it was a fucking hell of a match. It, it certainly belonged in the main event of the show. No doubt about it. Best yeah. match for both nights combined. If you ask me. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen night two yet, so. Well, there were a couple matches that I felt they could have easily probably broke this uh, fucking uh, barrier here and went, went above it. Maybe had they been given a little more time, because some of them, some matches, especially night two, some of the matches that went really short should have went longer, and there was a match that went too long that should have went really short, that being the, the women's tag match. It was like the second longest match of the fucking entire night, but. No, this here, I thought it belonged on the fucking main event of night one, and as good as night one was, night two was the complete shits. So so that's what I got to look forward to. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of funny. My brother initially forgot and made plans to go over to somebody's house on Saturday night and in fucking barbecue or whatever. So he was like, shit, man, I got to miss. I can't believe I'm missing one of, you know, one of the nights of WrestleMania. I'm going to have to watch it, you know, and later on after after it ends. 
and shit came up and he had to do some fucking emergency work on his kitchen. So he stuck around and watched nights one and night two. And, but what I said to him when he told me he couldn't watch night one, I was looking at both cards on paper and I go, well, that's okay. Cause night two is the better night anyway. So at least you'll be watching that live. Boy, was I wrong. Night yeah. one, night one blew away night two in my, in my perspective. And I, I think a lot of other people too have said the same thing, but this match right here, fucking easily for me, the best of both nights. And I'm not saying there weren't a couple matches that could have outdone these guys, but I didn't like the way the three way was booked night two, way too much interference and bullshit. And then uh, Zane and Owens really was, they were going at it fucking a mile a minute with every fucking terrible spot you could do to one another because they're best friends. Uh, but they were trying to get everything in, to, in 10 minutes. So it didn't really leave them enough time to. Oh, they only had 10 minutes? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, but this match here, dude, but I'm telling you, man, the killer part of this match was that whip across the uh, stomach of Sasha at the uh, finish there. With the. Um, the hair. Hootie uh, Tang. Yeah, the hair whip. Yeah. Ooh, what yeah. a what a wild Bill Irwin type of noise that was. Nice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I can't review this objectively because I am a Irish, English, French, and German 51-year-old male who has this strange attraction to um, African-American girls. That said, Sasha Banks with her little quiet rise being genuine and uh just um what's the word i'm looking for ray in the humble? beginning when she was i don't know humble i, I don't know she, humble humble yes humble. how to make your humble uh, <laughs> well you need to say <laughs> i fuck your ass i break your back i make you humble Brown blair <laughs> right so I would fuck her ass. I mean, uh, not to make her humble, just to... No. I mean, but I don't even fuck ass if we're getting real. But anyway, <laughs> it's not about me and you, right? It's about the wrestling business, right? Right. My bad. Uh, Sasha was one of my favorites, if not my favorite. But she had her hair all gimmicked up, and she always wants to be the first. And she was on Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold, and she said that, you know, she she actually... You know what turned me off the worst? And this is a girl that I lost. Uh, it, can't, it can't be. I honestly love three ways. I love four ways. See, you're, you're fucking with my dick now. <laughs> uh, my dick doesn't know what to do. But anyway, um, Ivar was one of her trainers as handsome somebody. And Brian Malonis, who's like one of the bouncers of ROH or something. Somebody else. There was like three names. That there are two of them, I believe. And she goes, it's so funny that he called himself handsome, whatever. And he's the ugliest dude. And she looked in the camera. You know, don't fuck with Ivar. He gave you the training. Don't say he's the ugly. Even if you're ribbing or fucking around, we don't, the audience don't get that, Sasha. Yeah, don't that say was... he's the ugliest fucking dude. He probably nailed you in the back when you wanted to learn a hip toss. So now, fuck you, Sasha. Um, <laughs> I I officially break up with Sasha Banks. Oh wow! It only took fifteen beers, but it, it's, it happened. It's off the record. I mean, on the record. <laughs> well, I'll leave it on the show. We'll see if you, <laughs> you call an audible and uh, have it removed no, or you, you fucking apologize. Be. Okay. Bianca Belair. You know, I don't. I'm not as into her as the push, but they showed up on the NXT, which we'll get to on another show. The her and. Uh, the Australian 
dude that Jim Cornette wants to suck his dick. Uh, what's her name? Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. He boy, he sure yeah. does, doesn't he? Jim Cornette wants to blow um, Ryan Ripley. And yeah, he was putting her over today out. again. He, he blamed that her match wasn't as good as uh, this match just because of the way it was put together, which could be true. Um, yeah, I mean, he would know. So, but he does want to have sex with Rhea Ripley without question. And you know, if I'm picking a fight, I don't want to pick a fight with a, a good dude. But you know, it's it's apparent. And <laughs> they had those uh, things, the 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 NXT with Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, terrible choice in my opinion too. But I mean, whatever. That just felt like they did that based on her size. Just Vince's. Uh, I know with Triple H is in charge down there or whatever, but it just felt like a Vince call. Yeah, she's big. Yeah, I mean. To her credit, and that um, the, the the massage parlor chick that I just had in Florida that that works part time as an NXT chick, uh, Io Shirai, that dive like looked like my mother's row home that I grew up in, and they landed on fucking uh, whatever that graded shit is that like a street thing. Right. Both of them. There's no training in wrestling school for that. I mean, you're always told if somebody dives on you to bend your knees and try to, you know, roll through it or whatever. But right. that had to hurt both of them. So I give them much credit. I know I'm straying from the point, but. No, that credit. was a fucking impressive ass. Um, Sasha's dive was pretty damn fucking awesome. And they, they, it, it was like it felt like everything was aligned properly in the world because there were a lot of things that they tried here that could have went wrong. And they right. went perfect. And that's you don't say that very often in the ladies' matches especially. Because if shit can go wrong, it typically does, especially in the ladies' matches. They just don't have the, the strength sometimes to, to follow through with things. And no, man, they, uh, they killed it. Everything worked perfectly for them here. Isla Rose would have the strength. Oh, that's right. She's a dude. Yeah, she would also fucking cripple half the fucking people in the middle. She's not catching nobody rolling through. She'll be gone soon. I hope so. I sure fucking hope so. Me too. So, yeah, but they did a bunch of uh, fun shit here. You know, the, the fucking, she caught her, she rolled through, she pressed her up in the air, walked up the stairs, threw him back in there. There was a 450 splash at one point. She landed on, on Sasha's knees, and usually that looks pretty hokey. But I was like, oh, shit. I hope she didn't really. And now, I, when they showed it in replay, it wasn't as bad as it looked in live time, but it was still pretty damn close. Like, she could have really maimed herself there. But they go into the finish, we get the hair whip. And the KOD and Bianca Belair is the new champion. And I don't know if you caught the video footage. I don't know if it's from a fan or another camera that somehow made it to to Twitter and other places. Uh, Sasha's on the outside. She's supposed to be selling. And she's just smiling ear to ear in happiness. Yeah. I didn't like that. But, I mean, I guess I feel the emotion of the first main event. uh, African-American women, yada, yada, yada. She's been the first of a lot of stuff. Her, where did her and Alexa Bliss work? Somewhere where like chicks get their head cut off for like saying hi. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, third world country. Where were they in or whatever? But Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, fuck uh... all that. I wouldn't do that. But anyway, good for Sasha. I I said I'm officially done, but I might still be a little attracted. <laughs> well, he's already changing his mind. Um, I'm not attracted to Bianca, though, because she... I honestly you know, love three ways. I love four ways. She's talking to you, Tom. Uh, uh, uh. 
Anyway, um, if if it if it includes Bailey, that's like two, three is me. Who's the fourth? Ray Russell. You're married. You can't. <laughs> is that so, a law? It's got to be. Isn't a it like in WWE? There's no disqualification in three ways. So like, there's well, no like I've rule. You check with the referees and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I so got you. It's just the three ways is me, her, and Bailey. But because we could talk about old wrestling, and she's from Minnesota, and I did two Minnesota Super Shows and stuff. But anyway, um, Bianca Belair, I'm not into, and I'm into black chicks. I'm not into athletic black chicks who have these big butts and go out Montel Williams or whatever the fuck his name is. Right, something like that. Yeah. She doesn't turn me on. She needs breast implants. <laughs> That's your takeaway from the main event of WrestleMania. Bianca Belair needs breast implants. The, uh, you know, the hype that they got and the nice match they worked and they cried in each other's eyes. Cry you, in my lap, you two fucking hoers. Did you see after the the uh, the match when Sasha's laying on the outside uh, live on the pay per view? They showed the welt on the side of her rib cage from the hair. I actually did not, but I mean, I get it. Like she's what? How much could she weigh, dude? Oh, it was it was just her skin, though, man. It was uh, it made uh, about a no, foot long. I, I mean, I you know, I didn't see it when you when you said, "Did I see it?" No, but. I mean, from that, I saw the whip thing. What did it look like? A Seamus chop? No, it looked like uh, if I fucking took a whip and I whipped you with it. That's exactly what it looked like. Really? It looked yeah. that? It that was like, I mean, it, I don't think she was bleeding, but it was, it was like, a, it looked like an actual welt rather than a fucking red mark. Yeah. Sasha Dreamer. Let's see if I can pull it up. So she's into uh, manipulation. Is that what you're telling me? Let's see if I can find it. I mean, what angle can I. Okay, I see Bianca. <laughs> wow. Now I'm back into Sasha. <laughs> she's into some things. For the right money, for the right she's living proof she's for the right for the right paycheck. She's into some things. Oh so. boy. Remember that uh, Bob Holly fucking cut on his back like that? Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It was so deep it didn't bleed at first yeah. anyway. God bless. Anyway, I hope I hope uh, we entertained. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, man. The only thing left to talk about, and we don't really need to talk about it, was just how awful Michael Cole was at the end of this match. He uh, he said that Sasha Sasha kicked out after the bell rang, and after it was clear Bianca Belair was the winner, Michael Cole says she kicked out, and everybody's like, no, Cole, she didn't. And instead of just fucking admitting he's an asshole, uh, he even, yeah, he kept explaining to himself, I was so shocked that she pinned her. That I thought she kicked out. Like I, I don't even know what that means. Fucking what a buffoon! Yeah. It was. It was not Mike. Michael Cole's not the greatest announcer to begin with, but it was not his night. He he fucked up like three or four times, which is a lot of times for a guy who's been fucking announcing since 1997. Thanks a lot, Todd Pettengill, for introducing Michael Cole to Vince McMahon. By the way, nice, nice reference, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, but Michael Cole was very well liked there. Well, clearly he's been there for fucking twenty four years. Nobody, not too many guys can say that. Not not too many on screen talents can say that. Yeah, he's apparently a, a pretty good dude. Uh, he's no Jr. in his prime, but apparently he's very well liked there. So, yeah, he's just doing what he's told to do. So whatever. Maybe since somebody should fucking tell him to finish to the WrestleMania main event, though. Maybe he didn't want to know. I don't Sam know. Roberts and fucking Rosenberg on there. We can get on there. We don't fucking cut him up. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Well, you it's know, it's hard not to though. I agree. Those those guys, you know, they got fucking other shows and shit. So I don't know, man. I never listened to Sam Roberts. He seems like somebody who would kind of fucking go off topic, maybe every once in a while. He he, uh, he was an opening Anthony intern or whatever, but we'll we'll address all these things at another time. Well, that works, guy. I appreciate it, Tom. And uh, we got one night of WrestleMania done. Maybe by the next time we record, maybe you'll have time to watch at least some of the high points of night two. I'm sorry to spoil it for you, and, and now you're probably not even looking forward to watching any of it. <laughs> but No, I, I, I know about it, so it's all Okay. Good. All right. That's cool, then. Yeah, but uh, I'm sorry, guys, we didn't get to the Billy Jack Haynes story, but there was just so much other shit going on. Vince decided to fire everybody today, and we, <laughs> WrestleMania is still relevant. I didn't want to do this show too far away. After WrestleMania, after everybody and their brothers put out a show. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you, Tom, uh, doing this. Dude, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for, you know, um, doing the things that I cannot do, like editing and um, just knowing shit and being right. So, much appreciated. I appreciate that. So, uh, I guess uh, next time around, we'll maybe we'll touch on WrestleMania Night 2. Maybe not so much in detail, but maybe if you caught a couple things you want to talk about we can definitely touch on those things and we'll definitely i promise everyone i promise you this billy jack haynes thing is happening i spent two days of my fucking life documenting this shit so it will happen i promise i'm down okay sounds good tom anything you want to leave the people with no the people that's all the people need to know and i i know i was close to the microphone so anyway <laughs> that was that was uh Anyway, uh, follow me at TR Shock. Say you listened or say you hate it. Say you want to ban me, cancel me, whatever. Don't blame Ray. He's just the uh, distributor of my insane thoughts. And you guys can follow me, Ray Russell, at Wrestling Grenade on Twitter. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Me and Tom are in the works coming up with some other ideas we're going to be putting on the show. I heard a rumor. I don't know if I should tell anybody. I heard a rumor that maybe Tiarnak maybe uh, on his way back into the uh, world of uh, uh, the fucking podcasting network. Um, I heard that rumor too. He needs some entrance music, like some kind of, some kind of gimmick. Yeah, um, we can take care of that. Yeah. Is that his demand? If, if TR neck returns, that's his big demand that in the, uh, a blue bowl of M&Ms. That's his green room request. (laughs) Okay. We, We can give him some entrance music. No problem. I think we can figure right. that out. But uh, yeah, so maybe the return of Tiarnak very soon as well. Looking forward to that. Oh my God, did that guy fucking leave me in stitches many a times in the past. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, one, one other thing before we get going, Tom, I just want to tell everybody, try to go, if you have a moment, go to YouTube and look up the Wrestling Memory Grenade. That's where everything's going to get posted. I'm going to be posting our shows there. Here are the TR Shocks, the World Shows, the Monday Warfare Shows, the Wrestling Grenade Shows. I need subscribers. I need 100 subscribers in order to get a vanity URL. That is a URL that I can actually put down myself and write on there so that it's easier to find than a bunch of random numbers and letters that they've given me so far. So go to YouTube and subscribe to the Wrestling Memory Grenade channel. And also go to the Facebook account, the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll be posting all the stuff there as well. I need likes and follows there, but I only need a few. I think I need like 25, and we're already at, already at like 21. So just a few. if just a few of you will go over to Facebook, look up the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Follow us there, like us there, and I can change the to a vanity URL there to make it easier to follow there as well. But as Tom said, you can follow Tom on Twitter at TRShock, 
And uh, yeah, make sure you ask him some questions. Let's get some questions going here. I want to hear Tom's stories. And if we have time next uh, episode, Tom, I do want to I do want to tell my Tommy Rich story as well. Absolutely. I can't wait. Should be fun, brother. So uh, for once again, Tom, I appreciate you being here. And this is Ray Russell. Another edition of TR Shocks, the world in the books. We'll be back again very soon. I am prepared to suck Kenny by God Omega.